I think that's the other thing that, like, I, I think we have to accept that, like, we're not really a news show, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we're not. I mean, we're not. We're, we're a news show in the way of, like, you should actually be paying attention to the news, and then we'll t- occasionally we'll talk about, like, a goofy story in the headlines, or we'll talk about something that you should already be relatively familiar with. I don't know. I guess that's fair. Uh, like we're, but I mean, like, what is a news show other than the fact that we talk about news? Like, what, what, what metric besides that do you need to be a news show? I guess so. I guess so. Say whatever you want about like the quality of it, <laughs> or like how seriously we take it. But you know, we we talk about news. There's a whole segment. There's only one recurring segment. Well, two, I guess, technically. There's two recurring segments in this show, and one of them is news. <laughs> the first aeon, I was the great spirit. In the second aeon, men knew me as the horned god, pangenitor, panthage. In the third aeon, I was the dark one, the devil. In the fourth aeon, men knew me not. For I am the Hidden One. In the fifth Aeon, I appear before you as Baphomet, the god before all gods who shall endure to the end of the earth. In this new Aeon, I appear to you as... C-M-N. Imagine that there is a brilliant white light just above. Is commentary on the magic art. In the year of the primal form, the dawn of terrestrial birth. Oh, that was very educational. Now magic will take place. Don't be fooled by what I just said. Welcome, everyone. Welcome, welcome. I'm Swifty Maniac Kennedy, and this is Chaos Magic News, the only occult podcast not run by the feds. We're it. Sorry. <laughs> Joining me this episode is my spoon-bending co-host, Yuri Gallagher. H- how you doing, Yuri? I'm absolutely melon crazy, and I will smash <laughs> these melons with my mind. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. Been a been a rough month overall, but I'm sure both of us know that. Yeah. And anyone listening knows that because we complain too much. <laughs> well, honestly, I've been looking forward to this because we're kind of back to a more normal episode. You know, it's like we do a special guest and then we do the special on Castaneda and everything. And I'm, those are all great. But this episode is just going to be, you know, us allen around. The boys is back. We them boys. You know? We them boys. And we are, we are, we up in here. Yep. We, we out here and we in here. The Cabalion. Yeah, Cabalion. Anyway, oh God. So do we want to get right into it? Cause we have, we're so backed up on news. Yeah, yeah. This opening discussion that we were going to have really just comes back to a very simple concept that's talked about quite a bit in Chaos Magic. Maybe not explicitly in text but it comes up a good bit there's a couple peter carroll quotes grant morrison talked about it in his famous disinfo lecture it's the notion of man as the colonial being and that there is no central unifying eye or there is no higher eye higher self that is the one that's like i'm keeping the rest of you schmucks in line 
Instead, what we tend to have is like a carriage being pulled in multiple directions by any given number of horses at any given moment. Right, right. It's actually a really interesting idea to me because it's one of the few areas of um, chaos magic that is very against a lot of the stuffy robe traditional ideas of the self. I mean, I, I get it. You know, chaos magic is in theory. Chaos magic is way against all the stuffy robe traditionalism. But it, I, as far as theory goes, there's not a whole lot of occult practices that'll tell you that you the, what they'll either tell you is that there is no self and it's entirely illusory or they will tell you that there is a supreme self, you know, an Atman, a holy guardian angel to certain people, that kind of nonsense. But it, most people, regardless of their level of spooky woo stuff, seem to be very caught up in the idea that there is some sort of true underlying self. That there's like a more authentic you inside of you. And that's the key word is we do talk a lot about authenticity or the idea of being true to who you are or being your genuine self. I'm not telling anybody not to try to delve deep into who they are and figure out what their motivations are. But maybe an equally useful idea is understanding that the version of yourself that you are at work or the version of yourself that you are with your family or the version you are with yourself when you're with your partner, that neither one of those is necessarily a false self. Neither one of those is necessarily a mask. It is perhaps the, the useful adaptation or the, the most useful operating system for that particular situation. One of the big things that got us to talk about this was a conversation outside of the show where we mentioned that we go into performance mode. You know, we've even called each other out and says, oh, you're already going into performance mode. You must have hit that record button. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The voices start coming up and you're like, oh, OK. All right. I, I, he's about to start fucking with me. It's a less sad version of customer service voice. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the best way I could describe it. But, you know, the customer service uh, voice is a, a great one, too. I think I think it's a great example because a lot of people view themselves when they're doing that sort of work or if you're in a, you know it doesn't necessarily have to be customer service the job interview voice is one i i had to deal with fairly recently and you knocked it out of the park right of course because i'm a magician and i know how to do that shit the point being that a lot of us especially when we're in those sorts of situations where we're uncomfortable i suppose and we're in that kind of area we view ourselves as like well you know it, it, it's a it's an act oh this is fake this is not who i really am but at the same time, there's not, it's not exactly that you're faking it. Cause I don't think that many of us just wholesale show up in certain situations and just act like a completely different person and lie about everything. Most of us aren't that good. Well, right. Exactly. Most of us would have a hard time trying to construct an entirely fake personality. And at least speaking of which house Chicago, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> It's uh, it's a little chilly even for this late in the year, but you know, Chicago's nice. I just, uh, I, I was thinking about going to the purple pig earlier, but like, it's, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't want to bandy about my, uh, my city living too much. I know that not everybody gets the, the luxury of such a wonderful place, <laughs> but I think that the important part of all of this is we hold this idea of, oh, I'm putting on an act. And it's like, yeah, but you're also putting on an act all the time. 
you're you're constantly assembling a persona or a, a character or a, a self narrative, even with yourself. You are not going to maintain this same personality core all the time around everyone. And even just by virtue of going forward and forward in time, you're going to change. That's the thing. If you acknowledge that you are a continuous river at best, sometimes uh, you can use that phrase of, you know, the colonial being that there's the multiple me's that are going around. Your, your dog aspect is showing. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Um, God, I hope she's okay. She's, she's fine. She's just dick. Um, anyway, but the, the point being that at best you are a continuous stream akin to the Tao of constantly changing, always transient, moving like water. And then another equally useful model, I suppose, is looking at these different operating systems. It's like, yeah, I have the me that is the magician. I have the one that is the, the artist or you know, there's the one that, hey, this is the worker drone. This is, this is the guy that just doesn't get stuff done. Rather than letting that turn into self-loathing or an idea of like, oh, if they knew the real me, just look. It's like, this is the face that I show for this type of situation. And the other thing, too, is that all of these different faces can easily translate to different wants and desires. Oh, man, I should be doing magic right now versus, God, I'm really hungry versus, man, I really I want to have sex. I want to go out and party. I want to stay in the house and have the lights off and read a book or something like that. It's like, man, I should be doing some work right now. Yeah. I was like, and and all of these are at any given moment at war with each other. And one of them is going to win out. It's not necessarily that there is the unified force tying all of these together in a way that goes, oh, well, that's the one that wins because I decide sometimes certain things just win out because of outside forces. And sometimes the, certain aspects do overpower the other ones. Sometimes you know that now ain't the time to be worrying about the Kabbalah. <laughs> Sacrilege. You should always be thinking about the Kabbalah, especially at work. <laughs> like whenever you're at work and you see something that you can go like, hey, that's a Kabbalah reference or that, that, that fits into this idea from the Kabbalah, you should tell all of your coworkers, any customers you're dealing with, any clients, any uh, contract laborers, and just explain to them very briefly but sternly why this fits into Jewish mysticism. You must understand the Sephirotes before I let you finish making these nuggies. It's like, look, I will photocopy my TPS report and get it on your desk as soon as I tell you about the difference between the Ain and the Ain Sof. And right there, that's another aspect of me that's just trying to win out here because I was going like, hey, we're having an interesting conversation here and my brain the, the different aspect inside of me, the, com- the comedic part started going, you need to make jokes right now because people are going to be bored. <laughs> and that's really, and those, those forces are always going to be duking it out on one level or another, even if it is, like you said, as simple as I should make a joke right now or I should continue with this conversation in the sort of dry way that it's going and blah, blah, blah. I think another important part of this is what Grant Morrison talked about in that disinfo thing, where if you start to look into the different me's in you and the different, the different operating systems, the different models, the different archetypes, whatever word you want to use, you might find that there are particular pieces of you that seem like an affront to what you traditionally think of yourself. And that was what Jung referred to as the shadow, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in that idea of, 
the rejected parts. It might just simply be something that you hadn't realized you really had in you. Uh, the one, the quote he says is, uh, you might find that there's part of you that actually really likes hip hop. And I'm, I, all I ever wanted to do with that is clip that and then put it at the beginning of a song. Oh, <laughs> part right. of you might yeah, actually really like hip hop. Boom, 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 boom. And here's a bit to your personality that likes hip hop. Well, I, if I if I'm correct, I think that's the same uh, lecture where he talks about George Bush and he like gets really fucking mad for a minute, and then he goes. But then you know when you think about it, you know you 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 think about the kind of pressures that George Bush was put under his whole life. And he was expectations. He wasn't really as bright as they had hoped he'd be, and you know they kind of just forced him into into the position, and you know he just wanted to he wanted to be kind of a party guy, and maybe we can turn him around a little bit, and then you start feeling sympathetic, and you tap into that other part of you. That is actually, I believe, the Omega Institute lecture, but I could be wrong. I'm an idiot. I'll, I'll admit it's been a long time since I've heard Grant read anything other than I, I someone sent that uh, clip of him talking to of them. I'm sorry. We keep misgendering Grant Morrison. Oh, now, I mean, but, Grant, uh, Grant already said that uh, he they does he doesn't care. He, he feels like somebody He's like they I think they took that and ran a little too far with it. And he's like, I'm not insulted by the they, but you don't, that's not like a, I'm not saying, oh, everybody needs to refer to me as they either. So, uh, well, that's, that's, I guess the answer good for them. Yeah. Yeah. I guess, I think Grant's answer is <laughs> just doesn't care. Right. Grant Morrison would probably really like some weird, ridiculous pronoun to get used at him too. Just for like, guess Grant, he'd be amused by Grant it. would yeah. probably really like this podcast. Hey, Grant. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Anyway, um, back to the point here. What I want people to try to get away from for a moment, if you like this idea, if you think this might be a good concept for you, is trying to get away from this idea of a centralized, unified self or a more authentic self and just start looking at the various aspects of how you operate and the ways you interact with others and the different drives you have as this sort of this structure almost. Or a a creative effort. I mean, that you can look at this and easily create exercises of who can I try on? Who, who can I be in the moment? And maybe this gets into the Carlos Castaneda personal history thing too, but it might be a little more difficult around people who already think that they've got you figured out. But how often have you heard, you're really not acting like yourself. When you get to hear that, you can say, yeah, totally. <laughs> that was my idea. <laughs> When we were discussing this earlier, something that came up was the uh, Dreyfus reading of Heidegger on the idea of moods. Oh, yeah. Because um, obviously this is a this is a very psychological kind of take on the nose of it. When you first look at this, this is clearly like a, oh, well, we're talking about different aspects of personality and the, you know, the persona and all of that sort of stuff. But there is a non-psychological reading of this if we take a take a good old Heidegger moment the concept of moods being this thing that we attune to that's already in the world. The easiest way to describe it, which is, you know, again, the big Heidegger people aren't here, so that I can say it whenever wrong way I want, and they're not going to yell at me. The easiest way to probably describe it is that you don't have a mood. A mood has you. Like, look at the, the way we use it in our language. Like, you know, I'm no, he's in, in a, mood. a bad mood. Right, yeah. It's not so much the idea of you have something going on inside your psychological structure and your brain and your mind, but there are moods that we attune to that color the world around us. That's another way that we can look at it. I think because 
The other thing is we 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 equate the moods with the gods. In a old Greek, they have the idea of like, oh, you know, um, like Ares came upon him. And they're talking about Ajax, you know, going nuts and killing people. It wasn't that Ajax went fucking bananas and started murdering people. It's that the god came upon him and put him into a warlike state. Or when you fall in love, it was Aphrodite came over them. And that's honestly what I was relating to at the beginning of the idea that what you're doing isn't a, a falsity, a, a tactic of, oh, I'm going to get one over on somebody. What you're doing is that you're creating something, you're creating a face that makes sense for the particular situation that you're in. And in that way, it's something that is, uh, something that is put upon you. It's something that comes over you because you are in the world. Things are going on. And so you will react accordingly. And granted, there's a certain level of deciding how you're going to respond. There's certain ways of calling up the gods, as it were. There's certain ways of dialing into certain moods. You can sit there and think yourself into a pissy mood. Most people aren't quite as good at thinking themselves out of a pissy mood, but you can do it. But to an extent, these are things that are reliant on things that are going outside of yourself although in a heideggerian sense you know it's it's not an outside inside it's just it's the world right so <laughs> it's <laughs> we right. have something um, you know you're you're a clearing for being so being appears in different ways there that's a right good one. that's a good one the the idea of the colonial being can also extend beyond this idea of the different internal aspects and become the uh i don't know the the radio antenna picking up the the signals that are already out there in the world and fundamentally changing who you are as a person in that moment well, maybe a good way of looking at it is to simply say that these are not purely internal or purely external and that they are a state of interdependence on other stuff and that's why a lot of the more eastern ideas of the lack of an overall self refer to it that there there is no self that exists without predetermined conditioning. Yeah, it's dependent origination. Yeah, there you go. There you go. And I think maybe to just leave you everyone with some food for thought, we've got a couple quotes about this sort of thing and I'm going to I'm going to give you one that's from uh Lieber Null. The greatest sinners are the greatest saints that they may be unconscious of this. Great men are greatly dual and the doubleness is not the end of it. Every moment the consortium of I puts forward a new face. I am not who I was seconds ago, much less yesterday. Our name is multiple. I am a colony of beings sharing the same envelope. And Kia, the self-love which binds them together, will one day hurl them apart, attempting even death for its satisfaction. Always a good one. Uh, I found one that's also Carol that was from The Philosophy and Practice of Magic, short little essay. Got the, uh, we, hang on, we have to have, everyone have your drink moment here because you're going to hear the quote that's going to make you roll your eyes. But for the true magician, nothing is true and everything is permitted. He said it. He said the thing. <laughs> Which is to say that all ultimate truths are lies and that anything he does is justified simply by his doing it. By accepting that he is a colonial being, the magician is able to unlock the world within. He whose name is Legion can do anything. And that is, of course, what the priests and politicians have always been afraid of. So if I change my name to Legion, I don't have to pay parking tickets. No, it's because you got 72 motherfuckers in your you brain. You got 72 motherfuckers in your brain. I'm going to make this slits malt, malt liquor, liquor simple. simple. Yep. 
Okay, cool. Well, there's Nothing your intro is true. And- Everything is permitted. All right, there's your intro topic. We had to make that one a little more abridged, but yeah. it's because we have a lot of news. Well, that's the problem of when you take essentially three weeks off before <laughs> looking at the news because we did the Carlos Castaneda special where it was like, news, current events, I'm trying to get away from personal history and you're giving me more things that are going to be history. I don't want public history either. I don't even want public schools. I don't remember Don Juan saying that. (laughs) Oddly enough, I think he probably would say, yeah, public schools are terrible. Don Santos said no more public schools. Meatball Don DeSantis. So... Does that mean that uh, I get to ask you the very important question? I, I believe it does. Well, then. What's in the news? What is in the news indeed? Okay. All right. So where to fucking start? Holy hell. I'm going to give you the the quick ones that we don't have a whole lot to say about to begin with. A section of I-95 in Philadelphia collapsed. Oh, God. After a tanker truck caught fire. Ooh, ooh, that is. We have fans and people in the Discord in Philly, so we're really hoping that it's not fucking you guys up. Yeah, well, what are, are they reporting massive injuries, casualties? Is it, is it really, is it bad or is it, I mean, I can't imagine it collapsing Everybody walked away unscathed, but how, how bad is this? Uh, I, I don't, I haven't seen anything about injuries being reported. No injuries had been reported and it was unclear what caused the vehicle fire. So I, I think everyone's all right. That's, Maybe some cars got fucked. Well, that's kind of miraculous if nobody got hurt. I mean, that's, I'm, I'm actually very happy for that. The less, you know, stuff, stuff can be replaced. You know, that's always what I say when I hear tragedies like this. It's, it really does suck. Stuff can always be replaced. Um, obviously, there's wildfires in Canada right now that are like just fucking the East Coast up. Yeah, we're seeing the smoke uh, all the way down here in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, well, there, well, genuinely, there are people that if you're if you're on the the northern half of the country, you're you're noticing it. Air quality is a real concern, but honestly, the people in Canada they're getting the worst of it. You know, the people are losing their homes, people are being hurt. It's it's a bad time, and. uh when things like this happen, I guess there's the idea of climate change. There's the idea of forest management. I mean, there have to be some long-term steps that can be taken because we understand that shit like this is going to become more and more common. So how do we prevent it? How do we, how do we at least try to take the proper measures? And I don't have a lot of good answers, but hopefully stuff like this, you hope when stuff like this happens, it serves as a wake-up call. And I, I want to be optimistic that it will, but who knows? I don't know. I, as much as I always say this shit, it just turns into the problems will continue to get worse until the underlying causes of them are addressed. And we're not going to do that because we're not going to address climate change because it's bad, bad for capital. Yeah. It's inconvenient. Sucks to suck. It's inconvenient for the, uh, the economic system that has predominated the world. So it won't get fixed. But you should totally, yep. uh, you, you should totally buy paper straws, you know? <laughs> yes, please. Please buy the paper straws. Get the bamboo toothbrush. Live in the pod. Eat the bug. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, okay. Disgraced Theranos founder, Elizabeth Holmes, finally going to prison. And it looks like a fucking, it looks like fucking sleepaway camp. 
That, like, Fucking 11 like, years. A, a sleepaway camp, not like the movie Sleepaway Camp. <laughs> God, I wish it was Sleepaway Camp. That'd be great. Uh, she'd oh, probably I'm gonna, be I'm the gonna one. put in the Angel of Death rap from the third movie right here. Angels are pretty. Angels can fly. And here is an angel that can make you die. <laughs> Look at her. She looks like the type that would be cutting everyone's heads off. So, you know, I don't know. Um, it's just funny that you can scam the hell out of people. You can lie on your face and do all sorts of outrageous shit. And then it's like, she stayed out of prison for a hot, hot minute and fought it tooth and nail. And then she gets to go to like a country club prison, you know? Yep. You steal a loaf of bread and watch them like cut your fucking hand off. Nothing new I, there. My dad actually gave me a very funny insight to this. And I, I honestly think he's a hundred percent right. He says, the problem is, is that when someone is uh, doing these kinds of scams, what they're always trying to do is how can I make money quick? And the only way that you figure out how to make money quick is by finding somebody who also is trying to make money quick, but is slightly dumber than you. <laughs> and that's what happened is that she suckered mostly. She suckered a bunch of fucking tech bros who didn't understand medical technology. Cause right from the rip, people who understood the limitations of the technology that we currently had said, this does not seem viable, <laughs> but every, all the other, all the fuckers with, uh, with very heavy checkbooks were like, please take my money. Well, I mean, well, that's how, um, that's how multi-level marketing scams work, right? You shut up about my essential oils. <laughs> unless you want to buy, unless you want to buy some, I don't want to hear that kind of negative talk. All right. I'm, I'm so sorry. I have to cleanse my aura now. All right. <laughs> take five. Okay. Uh... Like, <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Supreme court sides with cement mixing company over striking workers. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, again, we, not, not much to say about this. Of course. Of course they did. Of course did. they did. This, Just, you know, fuck it. Labor will continue to be fucked until labor can be replaced entirely. The cement mixing company bought Clarence Thomas a, a private jet. So they got what they wanted. <laughs> they said, we're, we're going to go pave your driveway for free, bud. <laughs> Come on, Clary. You. Come on, Clary. Do we want to talk about the debt ceiling crisis that got, you know, nothing? Pomp and circumstance and not even pop and start. It's fucking uh, sound and fury as they strut about the stage. These fuckers do this shit all the time. And it's like, oh, well, it's compromised. And it's like, oh, we almost defaulted. And it's like, yeah, it's just. It's just an excuse for the Democrats to let the Republicans do what they want under the guise of. of oh, we oh, had to. Well, yeah. Well, that's and that's always their that's always their fucking M.O. anyway, is that, well, we had to give them something. And it's like, you know, no, you guys don't understand. We had to let them kill some of the babies because we didn't want them to kill all of the babies. And it's like. Right. Yeah. And it's just and that's that's it. That's all the Democrats ever have to offer is they they try to act like they're they try to act like they're in opposition when at best they exist to pump the brakes on the Republican headfirst collision into fucking psychopathy. And that's like, that's giving them more credit than they honestly deserve. Yeah. And it's, it's stupid. I'm not even going to say that much about this one just because like, this isn't a hot take. Like you can hear any number of people explaining this. It doesn't really matter. The only thing that really brings anything different to the table at this point is the Republican party is becoming increasingly filled with people that don't understand what the game is and would rather see things get like completely fucked because at least it would mean something is happening. Yeah. They would rather they they're you're getting to the point where they'd rather burn down the house because then they can say like, Oh, well we didn't compromise. 
But yeah, or hey, you know, if, if they burn down the house, maybe they can build a new house that they like better. Yeah, one with uh, one with swastikas on it. Uh, speaking of the... Unk isn't going to like that one. <laughs> um, speaking of um, the presidential landscape, let's get the two presidential ones out the way. Um, obviously, the, the Trumpster dumpster got uh, uh, indicted. Trumpster dumpster. How have I not heard that one before? I don't know because people don't like rhyming. That'll show them. <laughs> yeah, I called yep. you the Trumpster uh, dumpster. I made a. <laughs> I made the Wojak where you look like the dumb one. <laughs> Sorry, but no. Uh, uh, he got. He got even more indictments. So I have to eat yet another hat. Yeah, uh, we're just gonna keep eating hats. We're not gonna own any hats after this. Yeah. Uh, I. The only question is, what kind of hot sauce do I use? I mean, but it also goes back to what we said when the first one came down, where it's like, what is really going to come of this? Do they think that this is going to stop them? I think just like the last ones, it's only going to embolden them because now it's very easy to say, look, they're doing everything they can to keep him from running. We better slob his knob and give him that sloppy toppy with our votes. Oh, God, I love the NPR article here because it's it's um this one is the latest Trump charges cast a new light on a growing field of Republican presidential candidates. But then the thing that in the article, it says a former president has been indicted on serious federal charges like, ooh, these are ooh, serious, ones serious this time. federal charges, not like the other federal charges that <laughs> slid off of him like fucking. Uh, it, it doesn't matter, and it really doesn't. I don't want to sit here and pretend that I'm smarter than everybody because I've already been wrong once, but it's just hard to believe that this is going to do anything except embolden him. It makes him look better. And if you force it so that he can't run, now every, every Republican gets to act like they're vindicated in the idea that we don't have fair elections. And we don't, but not in the way that they think. Yep. They just get to say that, oh, well, they won't, you know, there's no, and then it becomes, well, there's no reason to vote. There's no reason to participate in these politics. We need to just like go down to the Capitol building and do something fucking crazy again. And they're going to probably do, they're probably going to get it right this time. I, I doubt it. Yeah, you're probably right. That's that, what even what I said is probably not optimistic, but it's giving these people too much credit. The other presidential thing that we have to talk about is a completely different candidate announcing and uh, the the interesting reaction that it's gotten. He's got my uh, vote. Dr. Cornell West said he was going to uh, he's going to run for president. He said you can't always run for president. Sometimes you got to drink some water. You got to wash your ass. <laughs> but sometimes you do have to run for president. You just can't do it. You know, you got to go to the bathroom, have a drink of water. Shit. <laughs> A lot of people were cheering this. A lot of my leftist friends were really into it. Who the fuck is going to vote for him? I don't know. I mean, it's people Besides are going to cheer me. it and they think it's surprising, but no one's. Well, that's the point is that I, he's not going to get anywhere. He's like at best, he's going to like be like a Eugene Debs where he just pulls a lot of votes from the people that would vote against Trump. Right, exactly. Well, and that's and I think that is the the for me, at least that is the big issue, right? that there's a lot of times where someone will run and a lot of fanfare will happen. We'll be like, yeah, we're totally going to vote for you, George Clooney. Uh-huh. Okay, sure. <laughs> we'll vote for you. Yeah, you would definitely do something. And then like when it really comes down to brass tacks, everybody just goes Coke or Pepsi. And that's yeah, it. Pretty much. Just stand out, stand aside, RC. 
we're having a, a discussion of real beverages for the future of our country. <laughs> Cardboard shanties and kegs. Some people drink Pepsi. Some people drink Coca-Cola. The wacky morning DJ says democracy's a joke. <laughs> Someone, Jahan Jones, I guess that's how you say their name. I don't know. I've never heard of this person. Um, but they wrote a, uh, an article saying uh, Cornell West leftist presidential bid has right-wing DNA. Okay. Ostensibly leftist academic Cornell West launched his third party presidential campaign the way any true progressive would by promoting it on a podcast known to spread right wing <laughs> extremist conspiracy theories. Joe Rogan on a video platform popular among right wing extremists just weeks after having praised Florida's right wing extremist governor, Ron DeSantis. What do you praise DeSantis for? Uh, in his praise of the Florida Republican in a Wall Street Journal op-ed headline, DeSantis Revolutionary Defense of the Classics, West in a conservative co-author endorsed the governor's support for Florida high schoolers being able to qualify for scholarships by using scores from the classic learning tests. Oh, so basically what the argument is, is that you can't say DeSantis did anything right or otherwise you're praising every bad thing he's done. That doesn't sound like brain dead or dragon pill at all no. no not at all clearly yeah uh yes this is the same desantis who administered blah 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 don't care but if you suffer through the op-ed you'll find a seeming rationale for west and co-author jeremy wayne tate's position at the very end they're both associated with the organization that administers a more christian focused college admissions test that some conservatives have been pushing as a replacement for the sat tate is the founder and ceo of the classic learning test and west sits on the board of academic advisors Oh, okay. Okay. At least you've got, sorry. I was concerned that this was a complete ass pull, but I, I can see the three lines of logic. I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, but at least this, is, I mean, at least I, it's, what I think it, go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. You're, you're smarter than me. Well, I, <laughs> it's, it's a, it's a, apparently like an SAT alternative that wants to focus on like, like, like you said, on the classics on like the Western canon kind of bullshit, like soccer, which is fine. I well, yeah, like stuff like that. Like apparently. Descartes? Yeah. Oh, Burn it down. Never mind. Burn it down. <laughs> well, I mean, and, well, and that's the thing. If you know anything about Cornell West, you would see why he would be on board with something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, and again, like, you know, I, I go back to the what you said earlier about being brain dead and just like if someone if someone likes something and I don't like them, then clearly I can't like it. Yeah, yeah. It, as if, it, and not to be hyperbolic, you know what? I will be hyperbolic. This is a hyperbolic example and you don't, don't everybody go like, oh, well, this is a false equivalence. It's like, that's almost the point. If Trump said, I think that water is delicious and you should drink more, would everybody collectively go, no, I have to now rub salt on my gums and never drink water again? No. So don't be fucking stupid. <laughs> oh, by the way, the podcast that they're talking about was Russell Brand. Oh, well, I know he's got some, he got some issues there too. Like Russell Brand V, like he announced on Russell Brand. I mean, that's the problem is that now I'm not sure how serious I take this. Like you announced you were running for president on Russell Brand podcast. Yeah. So I guess the question is like, do you think he's doing it? He, he has to be doing with the full knowledge that he's not going to get very far and that it most amounts to a publicity stunt. Oh yeah. That's all I think it is. Yeah. I mean, so there you go. The idea that this is a critique of Cornell West when it's like of all the people you're going to come for of like, oh, 
he might be doing something unethical or he might be, you know, he might be like a secret crypto fash or something. I just, I feel like that's probably a little overblown, but yeah, those criticisms, like seems, those criticisms yeah. probably aren't completely out of the realm, but for the most part, it's like, who gives a shit? Cause Cornell West, he's, he's going to do, isn't going to be yeah, president. He ain't going to be president. He's not even going to be in the running. If he ends up on the ballot in all the States, I'd be surprised. Pretty much. That said, I, I do enjoy a lot of what Cornell West has to say and what he's talked about in the past. So, oh, yeah. I can say this there could and are much worse people on the table right now. Oh, yeah. We're not going to talk about Meatball Ron because he's, we've had enough going on with him already. The fact that he bled into the fucking Cornell West article. Yeah. Well, I, I will say that he's also possibly has indictments coming down the road for him. So like, <laughs> join the club. Oh, wow. Jesus. That's crazy, right? Man, dude, he got to copy Trump so bad. He's like, Trump got all the indictments. I need to get me an indictment. <laughs> he knows it'll make him look better in the polls. There's more UFO nonsense going on. Do we want to talk about that? Or we- Yes, that's exactly where I was going. All right. This came from our, uh, the official Pope of our discord testicles, spectacles, wallet and watch. And now you're all popes. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, he sent intelligence officials say U S has received craft of non-human origin. Former intelligence official turned whistleblower has given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about deeply covert program that says that's he says possess retrieve intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin. I really just don't know what to say about this because I feel like there's a lot of people that seem to have an air of legitimacy because of their positions in the military or intelligence, whatever that I have two thoughts about either one, these areas of uh, occupation are just as prone to crazy idiot liars and loonies and true believers as any other one. And then two, these actively exist as part of a psyop to keep you focused and watch the skies, watch the skies to not pay attention to like actual weird shit that's going on. One of the biggest proponents of the UFO alien phenomena was somebody who got fucking manipulated by the military into pursuing little green men rather than the more legitimate ideas of they were testing experimental aircraft. So there is one notable theory that I saw. It's like, how hard would it be to get a foreign, a piece of foreign tech and then tell some uh, engineer, egghead, whatever, in a dark room saying, hey, you can't talk about this. This is, this is from an alien craft. And you're only giving them part of the thing so they don't see that it's like, oh, no, this is really more akin to like, a, you know, just like a jet engine. You're just giving them like one piece of it and then telling them it's from an alien so that that way they don't know what the hell they're looking at. They just tell you how they think it works. I don't know. And the thing is, is that I am a firm believer that most of the people like it talked about telling Congress and everything. And I think that Congress, I don't sorry, I don't think. I know for a fact that Congress has some fucking dumb ass motherfuckers asking questions like, won't the island tip over if we send too many troops? You know, shit like that's that's a legit thing that happened before in a, a, a congressional yeah. meeting. Do you, you know? have a penis? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> These people are fucking morons. So it's like as much as I'd love to say that, oh, yeah, there's definitely aliens and weird shit going on. There's part of me that thinks that this is just 
intelligence agencies doing the shit that I talked about, like how God knows how many episodes ago where it's like, yeah, the CIA really benefits from me thinking they have a microwave gun. It's, it's hard for me to say, right? Because I don't want to just be the natural contrarian here and just be like, well, if the government's telling me this stuff, then clearly they're lying about it because all the other times when they were like trying to cover that shit up and say nothing about it, I thought they were lying to me. What do they say? The opposite has to be true, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, you know, it's like Roswell and stuff like that. You know, you, you, you grow up with the cultural idea of Roswell being this massive cover up for, you know, fucking aliens and shit. So then you see him turn around and be like, oh yeah, we have alien crafts or rather one guy coming out and saying we have alien, we've recovered non-human created crafts. It, and the only, I think the only thing that would, and I don't even say this would be the final word because I'd still be wondering, especially after all this time, but if like the actual White House came out and showed everybody, hey, this is, this is the remnants of an alien craft that we recovered from here and then let like independent sources come through and look at it and say, yeah, this is not, then maybe I'd start to buy it. But as long as it's like just showing pictures and weird stuff that's happened, I mean, it could be fucking anything. Who knows? It could be foreign governments. It could be weird bullshit that cameras do. It could be people losing their minds while they're flying a plane and saying, oh, I think we saw something. I'm not saying that there aren't unexplainable strange phenomena going on, but I just don't buy into this idea that they definitely, for realsies this time, have an alien aircraft and they're going to show it to us. Yeah, um, one of the other articles we got was basically fact-checking the person that made these claims, like, that he is who he says he is and worked for the departments that he said he did. And it all seems to check out, but... But that doesn't again, mean anything. Like, that doesn't just, mean shit. Yeah, yeah he, it doesn't mean shit. Just because he's who he says he is, he could be... And, in fact, the fact that he is who he says he is could is even worse, because that means that there's a great chance that he's just lying for these guys as part of an, an operation to keep the public misinformed and in it crazy shit. Yeah. Um, aliens have been a very big thing and UFOs specifically have been a really big thing for like the last year and a half. Right. Yep. Yeah. For all we know, it could just be more of that or, you know, Hey, maybe this is the government slowly letting it out that like, yeah, yeah. UFOs are, are real. This could be a real shit. It's all Jack Parsons. <sighs> Damn it, Jack. Damn it, Jack. What'd you do? You and Elrond just fucking shit up again. Yep, yep, yep. In more occult-adjacent news, I guess, then. Oh, I wanted to talk about this one because it just pisses me off a little bit. Scientists are closer to understanding how much meditation training is needed to improve brain-computer interface performance. You gotta make the computer meditate first. A new study has found that a simple guided mindfulness meditation exercise isn't enough to boost performance. Shocking. So just one meditation doesn't make me good? Are you Apparently serious? Not. What? Are you telling me that... I got to do it more than once. The authors of the research are interested in exploring the potential benefits of using mindfulness meditation as a training tool to improve the performance of computer of brain computer interfaces, which allow individuals to control machines or computers directly from their brain, bypassing the traditional neuromuscular pathways. These devices have the potential to greatly benefit people with conditions such as spinal cord injury, stroke and neurogenerative diseases like ALS. And all of that's really great. I hope they do figure out, like, if meditation can be a benefit, then I hope, it, I hope it works for them. I hope it helps them figure out whatever the hell they need to do to make these machines work for the benefit of who could really use them. That's not a controversial take. 
it's just the, I, I do think it's really funny. It's like, well, one didn't do it. So I guess we better. Well, the problem is you're going <laughs> to yeah. meditate too much and you're going to reach enlightenment and then you're not going to care that you can't move your arms properly. Mm, I don't know about that. That, that, that. That's what we call a joke, sir. <laughs> Those are supposed to be funny though. Oh. Silver in our, our Discord did have a lot to say about the idea of meditation really isn't taken seriously in the academic field, especially when we're getting into these sort of uh, neurology areas or whatever you'd want to call them. And I, I, I can't say for a fact how relevant or true that is. I think maybe there is this idea that during the, from like the 70s into the 80s, or probably more accurate, probably from like the 60s into the late 70s, in the same time that like the CIA was trying to do remote viewing. I'm sure a lot of this seemed like really like, oh yeah, this is definitely going to do this shit. Yeah, we're going to get, we're going to have, fucking childhood's end right and it's gonna be great but and it didn't pan out as quickly or as effectively as they thought it was going to be because they were expecting something thing well it's it actually shows you that government agencies are not immune to the kind of cultural consciousness right yeah yeah in fact we'll tail it back to aliens again right aliens start becoming real big button issue in society at large and what do we have the government coming out with shit like that just like, you know, in the late 60s, yeah. in the 70s, the cultural consciousness was really focused on new age spiritualism and mysticism and fucking all that kind of stuff. So they started getting into it, saying like, hey, how do we weaponize this? What you're saying is that the government is not immune to the occult revival. No, they're certainly not. Yeah, and that's, that's neat. Except maybe now, because now they're like, oh, no, we tried this shit already. Look at all the CIA papers that they're still pushing around thinking that we believe in magic. We wasted so much goddamn money. <laughs> I, I do hope that maybe there is a certain amount that meditation can aid in these sort of human-to-computer interfaces. But, you know, time will tell. That's something that requires testing, you know? Yep, yep. It is, it, it's neat, but it, I, I do, I will go back to the, it's like, a single guided meditation is not enough. Well, shit, <laughs> we better give up. <laughs> <laughs> Guess we're done. Guess we're finished. Just like everyone else that, got, that meditated that <laughs> everyone, one time. <laughs> I tried meditation one time, and I'm still anxious. Give up. <laughs> uh, oh, I wanted to talk about this one because I think it's a really great headline to, uh, point at the issues of headlines uh south africa limiting water for white people uh bobby hemmett said what (laughs) we went over this you and i so you already know but that's a headline generated just to get you to click and be like what the fuck south africa is so jacked up when it really has to do with businesses like agriculture and mining that are not owned by a certain percentage of black people in south africa are being kind of shoved to the side a little bit. You have to take it a license of some kind for consumptive water usage. And that means water that isn't going back into the reservoir. And they only give out so many of these licenses and that sort of thing. And right. They're using, they're using certain levels of racial criteria. Yeah. And this is to combat the issues of how like a, a vast majority of agriculture, for instance, is owned by white people in South Africa. And it's supposed to help promote black ownership of these things. I understand why certain people don't agree with those sorts of policies. Like I get it, but there's, I, I, personally, it, I don't actually think that I don't know how effective they really are in promoting ownership. Mm-hmm. It's like, I, I don't have any data to look at that, but like, I understand why you'd be upset about the policy to a certain extent. And I understand 
why it's not really news unless you sensationalize it too, though. And that's that's the big thing is that it's less about what we're talking about with this story because I don't know and I'm not sure I'm informed enough to have an opinion. I'm really not. But that headline is absolute hogwash. Right, yeah. In fact, like I saw a photo that had like, it said like uh, no whites or something on a water fountain when I saw it. And I was like, what the fuck is yeah, this nonsense? Yeah, exactly. There you go. And it's like, that's that's nonsense. That's fucking crazy bullshit that certain groups would really like you to promote so that you can get up in your arms about South Africa. The West has fallen. <laughs> in the the more spooky headlines, we can talk about Taylor Swift fans report amnesia following show. <laughs> we're stealing the joke of one of our discord people who I won't name. Cause I don't, we're not naming everyone in the discord because we don't know them all like that. But someone, the person that shared that said, Hey, did anyone hear about Xena Shrek's clone? Use putting people into a trance state. I, I think that there is something that is very notable about concerts, especially bigger in your head you can build these up and the more like oh my god it's taylor swift and then you know taylor swift is like super poppy you know drum machine bullshit going on there's you know that it's that formula that hacks the the brain of like this is you know that sort of shit um that really really gets you where drumming rhythm and lyrics and everything like that coupled with the emotional content of a concert and stuff like that can really put you in a uh, an altered state of consciousness and I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here. It's like to think that Taylor Swift is intentionally like doing anything here is, um, I don't buy it, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I mean the, the article, I think it just talks about how the emotional aspects can lead to a sort of amnesia. They talk about someone seeing BTS and having a similar thing. I, when I saw it in the discord, I brought up Beatlemania, which led to someone else talking about Listomania, which is great because you know, putting the Phoenix song right here. A list of mania. List of mania. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We have a long storied history of people going absolutely bonkers over musicians and having things like this happen. And it goes to the power of music in general. Magic can definitely happen through the use of song. You go to churches or something like that, you know, where there's certain hymns going on, things like that. These things can be incredibly powerful moving experiences. They're not explicitly magical. They're not explicitly spiritual, but they can hit the same high notes and the same hallmarks of those kinds of experiences that can be very profound, very altering. And uh, I guess maybe in the, the, the wake of it, if you're experiencing like, God, what the hell happened? I remember the first song going on and now all of a sudden I'm here eating a churro. They can probably be kind of scary, but you know, that's, that is just the, uh, <laughs> the beauty and the horror of, hyper celebrity you know especially when it's coupled with performance i just yeah i like the idea of maybe somebody's spiritual awakening occurring when uh shake it off was playing or something like that you know <laughs> well fucking um uh, father john misty apparently went to a taylor swift show on uh acid and had a really intense experience that made him write an album. Well, he had some assistance there, but uh, I do love Father John. I feel like Father John Misty is probably somebody that I would have that experience with. Oh, yeah. Especially yeah. If, if I had caught him on the pure comedy tour. Shit. If I ever see that guy perform live, I'm going to scream that he plays, um, I'm writing a novel because that's like, oh, yeah. That's one of those songs that like got me into that kind of state. Heidegger and Sartre. Um, Yep, drinking poppy tea. Drinking poppy tea. Yep, yep, yep. 
have you had any concert experiences that you would call you would put into that kind of that box that kind of magical box right there and loads i i saw uh i saw zach fox perform one time and that's like a funny dude but and a lot of his songs are like jokey joke but like the energy that that place produced while i was watching him it was fantastic phenomenal a lot of uh seeing electronic people perform and i'm not like a huge edm guy but those are almost shortcuts because it's like again it's that the music is formulaic to the point and i don't mean that in a bad way but like good edm is built on a certain level of formula that really taps into this drumming rhythmic thing that makes you go a little what's the word i, I won't say animalistic or anything like that but it's like well trancey trance, yeah uh, duh yeah trance you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah that shit will that shit will definitely hit it for you um seeing Flylo with you was kind of like that that was one oh of those intense yeah ones. yeah Flylo was definitely there nas maybe was good yeah know? nas was pretty good too uh, uh i can think of one that i uh, the problem was i was plastered when this happened but i saw king khan <laughs> i re- i remember like almost being completely gone and then i got woken up for about two minutes where i was back in my i was back conscious because fish fry was playing <laughs> <laughs> That was the same, I don't remember, that was the same festival. I don't know if it was the same night, but um, we saw Gun and Andrew Jackson Jihad. Oh, yeah. I don't know when one of those sets started and when the other one ended, because I was just so into it the entire time. It was just, I couldn't tell you where any of it, I remember once Andrew Jackson finished I was wandering out of the tent going like, how long has it been? And it had been like two hours. Yeah. And that's, I think that is a hallmark of the, the sort of the warped or elongated or missing time is a, is definitely a hallmark of a lot of UFO experiences, for example, but also high ritual experiences, magical experiences, you know, um, psychedelic experiences, but also music experiences, you know, concerts. Yep. It's, they're very useful. And I think in a way, if you go in to a concert, wanting that sensation, wanting that feeling, expecting it, or being like, I'm going to make the most of it, you can have a very powerful experience. You can even use that for the purposes of magic. Do we have a, if we were going to say Taylor Swift has like a nefarious ploy for this, what do you think it would be? Um, she's putting people into a trance state so they don't realize that her music is terrible. Oh, 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 burn. I'm yeah, sure Taylor she's, Swift with all her money is so yeah, upset she's, right now. Yeah, she's counting all of her, her billions, you know? She's going to write a terrible song talking shit about CMN. If only, man, if only. All right, uh, I guess rounding out the news because we've gone for a minute now. Pat Robertson died. Kenneth Anger died. Kenneth Anger died. The Iron Sheik died. The Iron Sheik died. Ted Kaczynski and, died. And Ted Kaczynski died. Your feelings on all of those people are exactly how we feel, and we agree with you. Yep, you're 100% right and sexy. All right, that's enough news for the day then, because now we have a very fun segment. We certainly do. As some of you longtime listeners night... Yes, we certainly do. As you some longtime... Motherfucky shit cock fuck... As some of you longtime listeners might remember, we did an episode called Astrology Dice, where we took a look at some bargain bin magic items. 
And notably, most of them, if not all of them, came from a store called Five Below. So I took a journey back to Five Below, and I really went hog wild, not on buying stuff, but just looking at everything that was magic-related. And what I walked out with was a handful of books and then a lot of pictures of stuff. So what we're going to do is that we're going to go over the one, two, three, four books that I've got relatively quickly. And then we're going to do a lightning round where I just, I'm going to, I'm going to tell what the object is and I'm going to have you just guess a price. (laughs) Does this sound good? And Coco in our discord, who is just going to end up on the CMN payroll at this point because oh they've contributed way too much to this goddamn podcast. Shout for outs, nothing already. shout outs to Coco, right? Yeah. In fact, we're gonna we'll link their Instagram because they post art and it's wonderful stuff. Yep, yep, yeah. But Coco gave us the name of the episode, and I think that's what we're gonna call this segment from now on. As above, five below, <laughs> the Cabalion. Right. So, what do we got up on the docket, bud? All right, I'm almost I'm hesitant on which one I want to. F- I want to do first because they're all just they're all just so so equally terrible in their own ways (laughs) our first book was actually a gift from my beloved but i do know for a fact that it came from five below it's called the witch's herbal apothecary rituals and recipes for a year of earth magic and sacred medicine making by maricia miranoska and overall this book is pretty decent. Like, it's not a bad book. It's just something I'm very unfamiliar with. I don't, like, do a lot of herbal whatevers. Witchcraft for me isn't about the, uh, the getting the, the plants to grow and all that stuff. Like, I'm not, I'm just not that type. I need to do more of that, and I'm working towards it. And part of this book is going to help, honestly. I think when we did talk about this, there was that weird, we talked about that sort of weird distinction of, uh, magical archetypes i guess of the idea of the the brujo or uh the the medicine man type thing or the the sort of witchcraft where it's the craft is referring to like the working with stuff versus sort of the ceremonial you know the the eliphias levy the golden dawn type people that sort of thing um right yeah and yeah i guess maybe with the coyotes the people that fancy themselves more of the the psychic terrorist a la the invisibles that sort of thing and whatever your particular model for your spiritual practices i think it's good to have a a well-roundedness with it all where it's think you know you sometimes you want to get into the dirt and get your get some dirt under your nails get that green thumb you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. now and for the most part i think this book is actually pretty decent it's got some very very nice illustrations throughout the whole thing and for what was paid for it this is actually not bad <laughs> now granted some of the recipes in it are just like whatever well but we'll get into that in a sec however there are some things worth clowning on <laughs> so uh we're going to get right into it this is the beginning of the second chapter What is a witch? Let us reclaim the words witch and magic and use them as accessible tools that they are. A witch is an ally and lover of the earth who works within the cycle of nature. The English word comes from witche, witcha, and wicca, meaning whiner, spinner. Wiener? (laughs) It means a wiener. I don't know. (laughs) Other ethnic names for witches speak as those that they are. They're wise ones, prophets, diviners, enchanters, healers, old women, doers and makers, shapeshifters, faithful ones, ancestors, and more. 
For instance, in Latin, saga, wise woman, which in Polish, widzma means she who sees. In Greek, pharmakis or herbalist. In Irish, in Irish, old woman, sorceress, charmer. In Sami, <laughs> oh, this is the one I really should have paused on. Noah Jeska. In old German, hagadise or hag, hedge spirit. Wild female being in Spanish, bruja, heathen, or misspelled pagan. Pegan. 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 The, uh, and is it pagan or pecan? <laughs> Magic is the art of changing consciousness at will, according to Dion Fortune, the British pioneer of modern magic. I also love the definition of Earth-based spirituality leader Starhawk. Of course. Yep. The art of liberation, the act that releases the mysteries, that ruptures the fabric of our beliefs, and let us look into the heart of deep space where dwell the immeasurable life-generating powers. All, you know, all of that's fine. It's flowery bullshit, it's, but yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I hate to say that we've I- We've never talked about Dion Fortune, have we? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't have anything bad to say about her. I think she's cool. I think she does a lot of good. She gets men- I like Dion Fortune, I remember- but- I remember a, a, an occultist bingo card where it's like shitty man, shitty male occultist bingo card, and it's like can't name a single female, <laughs> can't name a single female occultist besides Dion Fortune and Blavatsky, and it's like shit. <laughs> oh, you pegged me. Yep, got me there. I don't know. I think gun to my head, I could probably think of a couple good ones, but um, but I can't think of that many good male occultists either. It's like Crowley, Carol, <laughs> me. <laughs> now here's the part the term shaman comes from the Advanki language of siberia and means the one who knows man of knowledge Hmm. we now know the oldest body of a shaman ever found was female she lived about twenty-five thousand years ago in what is now the czech republic archaeologists used to assume that the notable tombs belonged to men and this reminds us to look beyond his story oh no the European-centric patriarchal perspective we were taught in school. In our reclamation and remembering, we are invited to discover her story and to bring balance to the voices that have been silenced or oppressed. Look, okay, I'm, again, I'm totally fine. Like, I totally get where they're coming from. Is is like, we've even talked about, like, very, you know, Anglican-centric, European-centric, white, you know, white, patriarchal centric understandings of history that you're taught of. And that's all well and good. It's just, boy, is that cringy? <laughs> oh God. I, I saw six a couple months ago. You know what six is? Six cringes. A little bit. I, I, it's not even really a musical per se. Cause it's not like it kind of has a narrative, but it's a lot more of oh, like whoa, a whoa, concert. Whoa, whoa. The, the Henry the eighth type thing. Yeah. Where they cut yeah. off, they're cutting off heads. Yeah, exactly. There was the, there was the TikTok song that got really popular. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Couple of them actually. Uh-huh. Either way, the point being that they used the her story thing too and it was uh, it was cringy there and it's cringy in a book on magic. I this might be a controversial take, but if you have an excessively matriarchal understanding of magic, you're going to be just as flawed because we're talking about that thing we were saying earlier about uh hardline contrarianism where it's like, all right, well the only obviously the only option is you know, just, just do everything female. 
And I think, well, and I mean, but I, I get it because the idea is that it's supposed to be bringing balance to the overly patriarchal thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's. But it, I just, well, I guess I just, just think her story is really lame. Yeah, I just think that's very cringy. That's that that her story. They this is written in a way that they feel like only women are going to pick it up, and I just feel like that's a real. And I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't impact my my reading experience at all. It's just that thing of like, hmm, it's a little weird that you feel like only women are going to pick this up. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of. It's like, honestly, it's just it, it's like there's loads of dudes that would probably be into this. But you know, I'm not. I, it's it's not a big critique. It's not actually that big of a deal. It's just that part right at the front where it's like her story. I was reading it in bed with my uh, with my beloved, and when I pointed that out to her, she started laughing about it before I did, and it was just like, yeah, it's it's a little cringy, isn't it? And she's like, yeah, it feels uh, pandery is the word. Other than that, like I said, this this book is not bad. It does do some stuff like it quotes Rudolf Steiner at points, and uh, it talks about the idea of sacred harvesting, which I think is really cool. But it's you know it's a lot of like mugwort and jars and stuff like that, which I, I do want to learn more about. So I'm going to look into it. I don't have nearly as much to clown in this book as other stuff. It's just that line, huh? <laughs> it's mostly that line, <laughs> but, uh, ov- overall that, that sort of vibe that carries through the book of like that, that's a perfect encapsulation of certain attitudes that this book has. And my understanding is that this is mostly taken from a singular, uh, <clears throat> singular school that exists out in California. Ah. Yeah, where it's like, the, you know, you come here and we will teach you how to be the witch. And this is like the system that we operate in. So it's like probably sort of modified Wicca, basically. There are some parts in this that are like how to make an overnight infusion. And it's just like put a handful of herbs in a jar or hot water on it. Let it sit overnight and then drink it. That's the crux of this where it's like to some people, I suppose that's magic, I guess. And I think there's the idea of like, yeah, you do that. But then you also do like the spiritual stuff with it where it's like, you know, you pray, you pray while you're harvesting the herbs type of thing, I guess. But, uh, it's that issue of like, a lot of this is herbalism, which again, I need to learn more of, need to do more with But a lot of this is like herbalism. And then it's got bits and pieces of like, here's a ritual. Here's a thing that this herb is good for as far as like a spiritual association, but it goes through like a whole year of like what you should do. So at the very least, if you had nothing else better to do, you could pull out. It's like, all right, you know what? It's like June, but some summer magic. Yeah, not bad then. Definitely could have could have bought something worse with your money. Yeah, and this was, like I said, this was a gift, so it was very cool. Yeah. It's nice when people think of you. I'm going to say that's like $4. All right. Would you like to hear, because there's a, a lot of recipes and stuff like that. Would you like to hear something? Yeah, give me a quick one. All right. Um... You know what? This is just a section on cocoa, right? Latin name, Theobroma cocoa, family, Malvacacea. Cocoa is a seed coming from an orangish reddish fruit resembling a small papaya that grows directly in the trunk and branches of tropical evergreen trees. Uh, though cocoa is native to Central America, most of it currently comes from Africa and Brazil. With a history of thousands of years as sacred medicine and the food of the gods, cocoa continues to be a beloved plant consumed in large quantities by humans around the world thus making it imperative we purchase certified fair trade organic cocoa from ethical, environmental, and humanitarian reasons. Uh, yeah, yep, you're right. Don't, don't buy a Crunch Bar. God. I mean, you're right. You, they are, you are right. You should not buy it, but also no ethical consumption under capitalism. 
stop telling me that it's my fault that because yeah. I, I wanted to buy a fucking Hershey bar. Yep, yep, yep. I got to make some fucking cookies for the bake sale, but it's like, no, you got you're doing something horrible to the planet. It's like, no. What about the fucking oil tycoons? What about the people that set up the goddamn cocoa in Africa? Huh? Ugh. All right. Sorry. All right. No, no, no. Sorry. We're going to get into it more. I cannot imagine my life without cocoa. It nourishes the root chakra. <laughs> How about the, uh, I mean, like when you're talking about, I understand that it's not the same as making slave children harvest your goddamn uh, coca plants. But like, if you're talking about like ethical stuff, it's like you just, you just snatched up a, uh, an Indian practice and amalgamated it into your Wicca book. So uh, uh, maybe write that down. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any Hindu basis for um, the use of cocoa? I, I don't know about this, actually. I don't know. Ganesha is very strongly associated with the root chakra, and Ganesha likes sweets, so maybe. Who knows? Because that's my problem, is that associations really... I You can make some arguments for why they make sense or why this, you know, why this would be associated with this, but it's all, it's all guesswork. It's all, it's all personal modeling for the most part, unless you're busting out the 777. As an aphrodisiac and heart opener, Coco helps us connect lovingly to those around us, boosting energy, motivation, and mental clarity, fuels us in joyful creation and manifestation. As a plant spirit, she can be a lover, seductress, or grandmother, hopefully like separately. That's, you know, the or is important there. <laughs> Why isn't lover, seductress, or grandmother? I guess like when your grandma made you some chocolate chip cookies, that's pretty cool. A dear friend and ethical chocolatier once pointed out the guilt that some people feel when eating chocolate may be an energetic connection to sources that are unethical. Indeed, some common candy brands use chocolate grown by slave children. How sad that an offering meant to elicit love can actually cause so much pain and suffering. For this reason, it is imperative that we boycott big chocolate companies and purchase only fair trade organic cocoa. All right. The idea that you feel guilty for eating chocolate because it comes from a bad place, you don't like that. All that tells me is that you aren't aware of where everything else you're getting comes from. Do you feel guilty? Do you feel guilty when you put your sweatshop, your Nike sweatshop shoes on? What? Like what? Or you I like I make all of my clothes from organically. I grow grown yeah, yeah, and I, locally sourced hemp. Yeah, I grow hemp and I make my own clothes. I built my own house. <sighs> Whatever. I mean, I, I don't, I don't want to use I don't the, like magic books that are trying to give me political ideology behind them. But all of them do. Well, yeah, you can't have magic that's separate from politics. That's, a, that's probably a hot take right there. I just want to hear politics that You just want to hear politics that agree with you because you feel shitty about eating a Kit Kat bar. <laughs> I'm feeling the the the, the negative energy from the, my poor consumption. It has nothing to do with the fact that I ate seven of them <laughs> and drank a beer. Energetically, I feel like a big fatty fat because I, <laughs> I ate all of these Kit Kats. But, I mean, overall, I still stand by that. For everything I've seen, this is a pretty solid book, especially for how dirt cheap it was. Because, as you know, it's still, you know, regardless, even if it was the full price, it was still only $5. You can find useful books for that price, so uh, good for you. Good for you. <laughs> good for sorry, you. Let me say, if you can find good books for that price, good job. And I, I think that's pretty good. It's a, you know, it's not a particularly big book. I will say that I wish I had looked more into the particular uh, school that this came from because it is named in the book. I just didn't look at it real quick. But I, I'd like to see where that came from and uh, maybe more of the pedigree of these people because it, it, it seems interesting. They've got, a, they've got a pretty firm system laid out. But 
if you're talking about chakras as like an objective fact, like, oh yeah, it opens your root chakra and stuff like that, and you're a Wicca book, I got some questions. Do you want to move on? Yeah, let's go to the next one. What we got? All right. This next one is by, I don't know. <laughs> there is actually no, uh, oh, wait, wait, hold on. It's on, the, it's on the inside. Why isn't it on the cover? Michael R. Hathaway's How to Be a Psychic, A Practical Guide. Do you want to know how to be a psychic? Obviously. Well, you're about to find out. Introduction. You may think psychic powers are rare, but truth is that everyone possesses psychic abilities. You just need the right tools to uncover and develop. How to Be a Psychic will show you how to control and help you recognize your own psychic talent. You'll find everything from connecting to your third eye and reading auras to communicating with the spirit world and practicing psychic healing. And when they say you'll find everything and then name four things, those are the four things. (laughs) 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 Above all, you'll get the tools you need to interpret your own psychic power as a way of delving deep into your inner being. You were born with at least one special psychic gift. Like mine, I can destroy a melon just by looking at it. (laughs) That's it. That's my only, that's my one gift. Everything else I'm terrible at. Our author's psychic ability was knowing who's a fucking chump and will buy this book. (laughs) Well, he got me because I saw this and I was like, shit, I'm buying it. Damn, I'm done. As you become more familiar with your psychic abilities, you will be able to gain insights into yourself and your future. You will learn to enter a state of focus, find your balance, and connect with powers you have within yourself. Now let's begin the journey through the mysterious and fascinating world of psychic powers. All right. So what kind of stuff does he get into? Well, hon, I'm going to go a little for... Oh, you, oh no. Okay. Chapter one. Did you know that you're a psychic? You are. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Well, how do I know? Why do I need the book? <laughs> it's because you are, even though you may not think so. Many people do not understand this special natural ability. It is often unwelcome and misunderstood, not only by psychic themselves, but by family, friends, and strangers alike. This chapter will provide you an introduction into the psychic world and what it means to be psychic. All right. It talks a lot about like uh, psychic intuition. You have your conscious mind, you have your unconscious mind, and then you have the third mind, which is not like the third mind that I was hoping for with William Burroughs and Brian Geis and you know, that sort of, like, that would be, that would be interesting. Not necessarily psychic, but uh, interesting. It's the universal mind that is the source of all knowledge in the universe, past, present, and future. So I guess sort of a, a world soul. That's a, an anima mundi or something like that, right? Yeah. Starts laying out the different types. There's deductive psychic intuition. There's random psychic intuition. There's goal-focused psychic intuition. Deductive being like when you just sort of, You realize that you know something because your brain is picking up on like subtle hints of everything where it's like, eh, your your brain is apprehending a lot of information all at once. And if you can sort of zero in on various smaller stuff, it can tell you something without you having a a quick rationale for it, which is like even outside of the idea of being psychic, that's a real thing that just happens. Sometimes you figure something out and you don't realize that you knew that you knew it until you were like, oh, well, I could barely hear the sound of this and or I could smell this and stuff like that and it told me oh hey right there and I was right that sort of thing or maybe you had like a faint you know you're looking for your keys or something like that and then you just sort of stop for a second and you're like wait and then you catch like a little little blip of a memory of where it was and, then and you're, you're like they were in my hand the yeah. entire time <laughs> they were in my hand Psych- random psychic intuition is when like all of a sudden something 
blows into your brain and you just know it. And you're like, oh my God. And then I guess that's an equally as uh, believable, as a phenomena, at least, it's totally something happens. I don't know if it's, you know, we're going to say it's objectively psychic, but sometimes things just come into your head and you're like, fuck, I know it. Goal focused is a combination of both where you're trying to just sort of zero in on something. It talks about entering states of focus, which is, you know, that's whatever, essentially like trance state. Put on some Taylor Swift is the answer. That's how you apparently <laughs> go to a Swift concert. Now you're a psychic. Um, <laughs> then it starts talking about Edgar Casey, the father of the new age. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That's Are someone you, I'm surprised we haven't talked about before. You're familiar with Edgar Casey too, right? right? Yeah, yeah. I've uh, heard of him. They actually dedicate like a whole, the whole last end of this first chapter to talking about him. And uh, when they say father of the new age, he's definitely one of them. <laughs> I, I just don't. I, I, it's funny because it's sort of like once, once you see that, it's a bit like, um, in, a, in a weird way, it's like the first book where it's like, ah, oh, they quote Rudolf Steiner. That tells you something. If that's the person that they're bringing up, in the same way that if I were to quote a Crowley at a certain point or something like that, it would tell you something about my certain sensibilities and ideas given on who I talk about. I don't have nearly as much to say on the man at this moment, but uh, you should, maybe you should look him up for yourself, listeners. Later chapter, we talk about uh, internal self-doubt. Opening yourself up to self-doubt can lead to confusion. The doubt begins when you do not have a clear belief that your psychic abilities have been given to you for the good of the universe. You can create the doubt within you, or others can create the doubt. And uh, what it's basically saying is that if you don't believe in your psychic powers, they're not going to work, which is honestly not terrible advice, but it's also this idea of like, it, it, part of it can come across as pull the wool under your own eyes, you know? It's just because if your psychic powers didn't work, it's because you didn't believe hard enough. You let the self-doubt creep in. You let people say, well, you know, uh, my uncle isn't actually dead, so I don't see how his ghost can give you a message. And you're like, no, no, I know that your uncle is dead. Your uncle is super duper dead, and he gave me this message. And if you just believe, you will kill your you will kill that guy's uncle. <laughs> Murder that man's uncle. That's how you become a psychic. That's not an uncommon thing in these kind of books, though. That's almost, that's pretty standard. And it, like, like you said, it's not terrible advice for any sort of no, esoteric practice to just be like, come on, just try to believe in yourself a little bit. You can do it. Come on, bud. Michael Berdio has a thing in the Gnostic Voodoo at the very beginning where it's like, it's a lot of pumped up positivity. Like, yeah, you were, you're totally going to be a lucky hoodoo and you're, it's, things are going to be so great for you and you just got to just stick with it and it'll be amazing. And you'll say, why wasn't I doing this earlier? And reading it, it can honestly, it can pump you up a little bit. It can make you feel good, but it is also that sort of thing of like, you just didn't believe hard enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now here's the thing. It starts talking about, uh, beliefs and you have to find your belief and it says you can rely on the divinity or divinities of that belief system and its belief system is capitalized and my brain immediately just goes to don't buy into your own belief system bs or anyone else's belief system bs yeah don't believe anybody's bs and don't believe your own bs too much robert anton wilson but the fact that they capitalized it like that it's it really did click in my head of like Yes, BS, BS. What you missed was all the Fenords in the book. Yeah, yeah. It talks about God, God's role as the universal mind and stuff like that. And it's very, uh, that's sort of the panpsychicism that we talked about before. You know, the yeah. idea that God yeah. is everywhere and everything's sort of conscious, that sort of stuff. 
He's part of nature, the oceans, the forests, the mountains, all living things on earth. And it talks about like needing to uh, understand your belief as a, as a grounding exercise. And it's interesting because in chaos magic, it's totally like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your beliefs are something you do to get something. So don't, don't be too hung up on them. You shouldn't believe anything too much. Keep yourself mutable and changeable. And then here, this one's telling you like, ah, you got to identify your belief system. And, and here are some further questions to think about in terms of your beliefs. Do you rely on angels, saints, or other beings to do their good work? Do you look for something to protect you from the known and the unknown? Do you communicate with your belief on a daily basis? Do you feel that this higher power is compatible and you're in tune with it? Blah, blah, blah. Now, here's the one thing that is good that I want to talk about. It actually has exercises, which uh, is oh, an interesting hallmark. Finally. Yeah, I mean, no, it's, it really is an interesting hallmark. A lot of times you just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk like theory. Any book that's going to try to give you like, hey, do this. And granted, this first one is contemplate your belief. So like, who gives a shit? Just sit there and think about what you actually believe, whatever. But later it gets into like, create a protective bubble around yourself, which is essentially like, it's a banishing ritual without calling it a banishing ritual. Create a protective barrier and center yourself so that you can get ready to do the work. That's a banishing ritual. You know what I mean? Yeah, basically. So that one's neat. Then it does your favorite thing where it talks about mind, body, and spirit. (laughs) Uh. Descartes says what? Oh, God. Um, Creating altered states of focus, blah, blah, blah. And then we really start getting into it because it talks about the seven chakras. Yay. Oh, great. We've had two books now that have immediately gone into chakras. Remember, guys, chakras are totally, absolutely real and uh, definitely not something that comes from one particular model of spirituality and the energetic body. There's just something that you can just like unplug them from that Hindu system and then just use them for whatever you want. They're definitely going to yeah, work. It's, it's just like the tree of life. Like it doesn't have to have any connection to, to the Hebrew uh, mystical ideas or anything. You can just take whatever you want, just slap it on stuff. Yeah. And remember, it's going to work exactly the same. And you can tell the Hindus, oh, I know all about your beliefs. Because <laughs> <laughs> I read how to be a psychic. Well, again, being a KO, you're totally, we should be telling you to do these things and that, you know, it'll, it'll well, do You stuff. should be smart. You need to be smart enough to know how to do it. All right. That's the problem. When you, if you just read how to be a fucking psychic, you're going to take it like this is an objective reality. And that's, and you're, and once then you've already fucked yourself up. Also, it relates all the seven, it relates the each chakra center to part of the endocrine system, which is some manly P hall type shit. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is like, you know, this is, def- I don't care how manly his P hall is. It smells. <laughs> yeah. It, it really, it really fucking smells, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's goofy. It talks about make, uh, seeing the, the colors of people's auras and telling you stuff. It talks about angelic oh, guides. Oh, does it, does, it t- does it tell you, like, this is what the aura colors mean? Because i got to hear that. Oh, man. Hold on. Let me look. Uh, this is just, hold on. There's the, where's the finding auras? Because it talks about it at first. Like, here's the auras. And then it's, like, actually how to, because uh, there's a whole thing on uh, finding your spirit guides and all of this stuff. Oh. Oh, spirit guides. Nice. Oh, man. Okay. Balance your chakras, dreams, experiments, and clear audience. And granted, I will say, once again, there, there, there are exercises throughout this whole thing, which are, uh, you know, that's a point. At least if a book gives you exercises and then you do the exercises, you know, 
They can get you somewhere. If a book just gives you a bunch of theory and then says, well, this is how things are and then doesn't give you anything to do with it, you can screw yourself up. You know, that's the cabal. Well, not even say screw yourself up. Sometimes you just won't even get off the ground. Like if you read the Kabbalion expecting to like know what the hell to do with any of that information, you're out of luck because it doesn't yeah. tell you to do shit. And part of it is because yeah. the Kabbalion sucks, but it only, <laughs> it, it only sucks marginally less than this book. Because now we get to talk. <laughs> no, I don't. I, I can't find the thing where it says explicitly. It's fine. It's fine. But do you want to know how to investigate ghosts? Yes. <laughs> I've always wanted to investigate Have you ever ghosts. seen, heard, or felt a ghost? In this chapter, we'll consider how your psychic abilities can help you investigate ghosts. Believe it or not, you can use altered states of consciousness to help am- amplify connections to the unseen. Eh, sure. Sure. That's fine. What are ghosts? Ghosts seem to exist almost everywhere that people do. But what exactly is a ghost? A ghost is a spirit that exists near the earth plane. The spirit may be trapped in a world between worlds or for one or more reasons. It may have had its human life ended suddenly and possibly tragically, and the soul unexpectedly found itself separated from the body. It could not get back in and didn't know where to go next, thus finding itself suspended in timeless environment. Some ghosts are not ready to move on or because medium didn't help them (laughs) solve their unfinished business. Ghost hunting, you need to get prepared. Here will be your ghost hunting tools, a notepad and something to write with, a flashlight, extra cold, extra clothes in case it gets cold during the watch. Bring a sweater. Proton pack. Yeah. Uh, tape measure to keep record of distances. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? You're going to measure the ghosts? Uh, pendulum or L-rods? L-rod Hubbard. <laughs> no, um... So you can take the L when you don't find a ghost. Digital camera to capture spirit orbs. No one has a digital camera. Camcorder or video camera to record in places that may have a lot of spirit activity. Remember, pretty much no one is has ever. Is this an go- old book or is this guy just like really out of touch? Maybe, like, maybe that's it. Maybe this is like a super old book, and it's like. Can you, know, you go find? Can you find the copyright or something in the front? Mm, copyright two thousand eleven. So wow, is, yeah, this, it, it's this old, just so boomer. It talks about uh, electric voice phenomena and your fucking e-meter and everything else. Record it. Communicating with animals. Here, I'm going to communicate with an animal. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, she didn't have a lot to say back, but, you know, she's, oh, she's a good dog. Receiving information. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I was right. There's five things because it also talks about uh, talks about dreams so that was the other thing um, of course dreams yeah but like psychic healing is the last thing and like um psychosomatic healing is a real thing I f- i'm a firm believer in it there is a basis for why faith healing works it just doesn't work for like gunshot wound there's certain things that it's good for there's certain things that it's not it's definitely not a substitute for medical care of any kind don't come at me about that but there are certain things you can do especially like pain management you can psych yourself out into not hurting so much, which is a miracle of the human body. Yeah, overall, uh, I find this book a lot of uh, boomer, old world stuff. Um, it definitely is super duper new agey. It's not explicitly magic, I guess. That's the problem. It's like you hear psychic, and I always think like Charles Xavier, like somebody who can read thoughts and stuff. But this is like, you know, talking to spirit guides and things like that. So it's like, it's not, it isn't what I think of when I hear how to be a psychic. I thought it was going to try to get me to levitate a quarter, which would have been a funnier. 
Yeah, I wanted them to tell me how to bend spoons. Oh, well, that's easy. You just got to be melon crazy. <laughs> what do we give? We didn't rate the last one, but... Uh, I mean, the, the last... I'll give it a... I, I give the last one like a three out of five because it's not terrible. It's just got cringy stuff in it. I feel like the info you're actually getting that's useful is good. I just think it's very... It's very California. Very California Wiccan. I'm also so Northern, Northern California! California. <laughs> and uh this one i'll give a, a flat two because it's more amusing than it is helpful do you have a price that you think oh god i'll probably give that one four dollars as well because i feel like they're both on the same level of like bullshit <laughs> you want to take a guess what the third one's gonna be uh my psychic powers are telling me that it's going to involve the moon. Mm, mm, mm. You are actually wrong because that's going to be the last one. Oh, well. But now what we have is... I want my money. Wait, hang on. I, I, I'm going to put that book down to a one then. <laughs> this book is now free because I want my money back. <laughs> okay, so what's the next one? The next one is... Hold on to your seats, listeners. Courtney McBroom and Melinda Lee Holmes... Divine Your Dinner, a cookbook using tarot as your guide to magical meals. And it's even magic with a K. So you know it's the, it's the real, real deal for your magical <laughs> meal. Oh, and God. It's, it's literally what it says, where it's like it, it is a cookbook that is using the basis of uh, the tarot deck as your various, um, recipes. your various recipes and what. And it starts with like a list of ingredients, like various, like just, random stuff it's it's and it's not like a bad you know it's not anything crazy it's not like eye of newt wing a bat you know it, it, it gets you different crap where it's like artichoke avocado bay leaves you know, but it's all in alphabetical order nutmeg potatoes vanilla vanilla should be the last one right if it's zebra meat is on here i've got some fucking questions <laughs> you know parsley sage rosemary and thyme oh, so all of those uh it gives you some equipment where it's like you'll need sheet pans a blender uh, gallon Ziploc bags, a mallet, all sorts of good stuff. A stand. Uh, this is this this is seeming pretty like chill, normal stuff. Like, yeah, yeah there's, there's not like there's not like altar for the sacrifice or anything in the equipment. No, no, no. This is far more cookbook than magic book, but it does use like legitimately every single card has a recipe in it. Is it just the major arcana or is it all of them? Oh, it's everything. It's from. It, wow. 78 recipes, huh? Yeah, 78 recipes. And, uh, it, and then at the back, it gives you, uh, suggestions for spells, right? But what spells constitute are creating like four or somewhere from three to five dishes that are in the book together as your, uh, as your meal. And, uh, with the goal being that by going from, the creation process to the consumption process, it will create a certain type of atmosphere and that will constitute the spell, which is. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah, it, honestly, it is. I, So with this, I know I, a lot of people that are actually really big on food magic in a lot of ways. So that this could be cool. Yeah, I, I, I don't think this is terrible. I'm, if I had had more time lately, I would have actually done some recipes or something. Maybe had a little country urban noodle oh. test kitchen type thing. <laughs> uh, but I felt like the best way to maybe tackle this is I have tarot deck in my hand and I'm going to draw 
a random card. We're going to look at the recipe and then we're going to chit chat about it. And maybe I'll pull another card or maybe we'll just move on. Okay. Yeah. Sounds great. I am shuffling the deck. And we have got little card ASMR for you folks. Yeah, I was hoping. You know, astrology dice. I did the dice ASMR where I rattled it. So, (laughs) oh, wow. And we got we got the temperance card. Oh, nice. Major Arcana temperance to this day. I see temperance and my brain automatically corrects it to art. Oh, yeah, me too. But we're we're Thoth people. Yeah, I think it's a better name. So what do we got for temperance here? Temperance. I bet it's like a non-alcoholic cocktail. This is the temperance page. It starts with temperance. Avoid extremes. Find peace and moderation. Magical ingredient, sweet violet, which is what I say. I'm caught off guard by something. I go, sweet violet. (laughs) (laughs) Promotes emotional wellness and energetic balance. Pull in your energy. Take a deep breath and allow yourself a moment of stillness. Moderation doesn't have to be a chore. When we think about it as focusing our energy on things that truly matter to us, it becomes a gift. Um, to help you along, we've got a little assignment for you. With, with Sweet Violets as the centerpiece, create a party board to serve as a curated gathering of people with, who complement each other most. And go ahead and serve booze. While the temperance movement shunned alcohol consumption, the temperance archetype leaves what you moderate up to you. So it even says, hey, have a little, have a little drinky poo. Additional magical ingredients are honey, mustard, and olives, which are uh, things I call my butt. You call her mustard? Yep. Come here, <laughs> mustard. What does that even mean? Party board with wildflowers and crystallized violets. I'm crystallized. What? How am I- what kind of bougie ass? How the fuck am I supposed to crystallize a violet? Get liquid nitrogen? What's going on? Fuck if I know. Here, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna actually look and see. Hopefully it tells you. How do I crystallize a violet? That sounds fucking amazing. I'm going to try this. There is no such thing as a bad party board and really no way to mess up. In fact, there isn't even really a recipe for this. Well, what the well, fuck what am the I hell? looking at? This? Sweet violet. What am I doing here? <laughs> so what's it, what's it saying? What is a party board? Is it like just like a charcuterie board or something? Um, I believe it is, but you also mispronounced it. It's a charcuterie board. Listeners, tell us how the hell you pronounce that word. Shark cooterie board. So it's basically just telling you that to do to do this one, you just get some violets and you crystallize them. However, the fuck no, 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 you do no, that. No, I'm, I'm going to get I'm actually you put some get, mustard on there. Assemble your board on two actual boards, one for meat and savories and one for cheeses and sweets and throw layers of parchment paper down directly on the table and arrange everything on that. We prefer the parchment route because you can use a marker to write the names of the charcuterie and cheeses directly on the paper. I, I guess that would save on time of saying, so what is this? And it's like, it's, it's literally written. Chill. Um, so place three varieties of meats on a platter and a board and arrange three varieties of cheeses. Add at least one type of snack and spread to the board. Additional savories and meats on the board are fruity or nutty flavors for the cheese board. Divide the bread or crackers throughout. And don't forget to have. And then it gives suggestions on meats and cheeses. Um, snack, like different olives and roasted pepper, seasonal fruit, dried fruits, nuts. Honey, uh, jam, Nutella, grainy mustard. 
stuff like that. And then garnish with wildflowers and a pile of crystallized violets. See the magical ingredient pantry on page 12. So going back to the front, does it say how to crystallize a violet? This is very lax for a recipe. This is not even, yeah, a, this is more of just yeah. a suggestion. This is yeah. like, you know how to put, you know how to make a, you know how to make a meat tray, right? Just like, you I know, was, do was, that. Then put some violets on it. I like that's, that's all well and good. Like, like really, I, I don't want to take too much. Like, cause it's like, yeah, it's fine. It's just sort of a neat, it's trying to, it's trying to, to do something. It's like, here's how you catch the vibe of like, that's what this card is about. Sort of. I just like, it says crystallized violet. Like I'm supposed to know what the hell that is or how to don't see. Uh, and I am not. All right. Well, just for that, I feel like they dropped the ball a little bit. Like what, how am I supposed to crystallize a violet? What the fuck? What does that even mean? How do I crystallize it? Like, like for real, listeners, how do I crystallize a violet? I we, oh, think, oh, 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 oh. I sweet, think it means candied. We use crystallized sweet violet in this book. You can find it in specialty bake shops or online. So just buy it. Come the hell on, book. Really? And okay, that's, that's like a swing and a miss for me, at least. But... Do we want to give another shot and see if we find like an actual recipe? I think, yeah. Okay. Well, just, just for our listeners sake and your sanity sake. Yeah. I'm pretty sure crystallized violets are just like candy violets. Jamie, can we pull up a crystallized violet? Like, am I supposed to eat it? Is it? Yeah. Like it's, it's edible. Well, like, I guess my other problem is like, it's, it's, if it's something that's really complex that I shouldn't be making from scratch, like fine. But it's like, man, you could at least maybe make the, the paltriest effort instead of like, just dump it on there. Really? Who reads a cookbook from, from like front to back to figure out that I was supposed to like, look that shit. Frustrating. Here, I got it. My deck. I'm going to pull a card. Oh, oh, wonderful. Oh, wow. We managed to get another Trump. Uh, we got the chariot, the chariot. All right. Chariot. Chicory Caesar. That is the recipe. <laughs> I like chicory. It's neat. You know, it's chicory. All right. Help is here. Allow it to carry you. The magic ingredient, chicory, clears the way for luck to arrive. You've put in the work. The ball is rolling. Progress is being made. The chariot brings luck and wisdom. The luck of the right help arriving at the right time and the wisdom to know when to accept it. Your chariot will come for you exactly when you need it. Not to take away all you've created, but to capitalize on the momentum you've built. When you want to call the chariot, chew on some chicory. The roots are something dried, ground, or added to coffee, but we like the crunch of fresh chicory leaves between the teeth to really get our wheels turned. And what better match for a chariot than a Caesar? So it's a salad. Ingredients, lemon, honey, garlic, black pepper, and mustard. So I'm not going to read the whole recipe because... Yeah, just make it, just, it, it's a salad. So far, we've gotten two recipes that were just throw some shit together. It's no, 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 because there's actually like ingredients... In contrast to the sweet violets, figure it out. Uh, there's actually a whole recipe list and instructions on how to make Caesar dressing from scratch, which is pretty baller. I've seen that done before, and it, it looks it's really neat because I'm so used to being like, "Where is the bottle? <laughs> Where's the bottle of the weird looking ranch?" <laughs> but yeah, mortal. I mean, but it's, still, it's just a salad, though. It's still just like. It's still just, you know, because that's that's what a salad is. You you take random things and you just kind of put them all together and toss it up and then you throw a fucking dressing on it. I mean, yeah, but like making a salad is, you know, making a salad, that's a recipe. Like, I'm sorry that you don't eat vegetables and you're a child. <laughs> that's what I'm getting. Eat a damn salad. 
Drink some oh, water, eat a salad. Fine. Okay. Hey, are we one more because I oh, want okay. something that's not a a, a trump. Uh, uh, I got the seven of swords. You want to go to that one? Seven of swords. And I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to be mad if this is like a sandwich or something. Oh, sandwich mad Kennedy doesn't want to hear how to make a good hoagie. <laughs> Fine. What'd you say it was? Seven of Seven of Swords. Seven of Swords. That's failure. That is not a good. Oh my God. It actually. <laughs> no. No, no. Oh, okay. Never mind. It looked like a sandwich. It's not. It is barbecue chicken French bread pizza, which sounds immaculate. Okay, at least it's a recipe this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Although it's, it's a pizza, so it's probably just going to be like buy some pizza dough. No, or no, no it's going to be like, it's a flatbread. So it's going to be buy a flatbread, put the stuff on top of it, and then put it in the oven. I mean, when you break it down like that, that's like really shit. No, but it, it's literally it, it's literally a step again. The 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 board being like ah, just throw some stuff on there really really undersells the fact that this is like hey, here's how you make here's how you make the sauce. Like it's literally going from, uh, now granted it's canned tomatoes, but it's going yeah, from, I mean, I'll take that from tomato, from canned tomato to a sauce and then chicken from like, you know, uncooked chicken thighs to chicken going on a rest, you know, that sort of thing. So it's, you know, pickled jalapenos, um, cilantro, cilantro on a pizza. I don't know about that. Um, and then barbecue. So- now it does say store bought, Barbecue sauce is fine, but whatever. I mean, this looks really good, honestly. <laughs> but so well, that's cool. Oh, what's there, the no, magical description uh, of it? There's a there's a recipe to for the the barbecue sauce that you can that is a hey you can make this if you want. So well, cool. That this actually seems very good. Uh, Seven of Swords, daring to speak, even though as confident among us come across on occasions we hesitate to speak our minds. Maybe we don't know the people in the room very well, or we doubt how well informed our opinion really is. Can't relate. <laughs> <laughs> never had that problem never had that problem when that hesitation becomes habitual we need to push past it this energy helps you free yourself of your inner critic instead make friends of this kind and helpful one and what better way to do that than a pizza party yeah exactly make some pizza um i mean shit these are all these this seems like an actual recipe and it looks pretty damn good we we could probably pick and choose at recipes and try to find stuff oh here's the sandwich Giant blackened turbot po' boy. That sounds fucking amazing. That's a that's a po' boy though. That's like a that's a po' boys. That's just that's not like just slapping together a bologna sandwich. What's the card for it? I don't. I've already gone past it. And, oh well, whatever. And like I said, there at the back there are the spells where it's like uh, if you want one for clarity, you can make. Oh, there's the the chicken French bread pizzas, the ancho chili, ancho chili brownies. That sounds interesting and then something called the slayer of pain which is the wheel of fortune card which uh we're gonna look at that real quick sounds that sounds like a cocktail it is oh yes that is a cocktail um sweet oh it's a painkiller oh okay cool Uh, okay yeah if anybody's anybody fancy painkiller yeah it's a fancy painkiller where it's got you know it's it's rum and cream of coconut and there's nutmeg in it, or you know, so it's a variation on that, and uh, sounds great. Honestly, sounds great. So yeah, there's even there's even cocktails to be served in here. You can really go soup to nuts on this whole thing. Eh, here's here's what I was I'm gonna say about it. Sure, I think sure. that this is a very cute little aesthetic for a cookbook. I don't think it's particularly magical. 
I think if you really wanted to get into it, you could probably use some of this for some magical atmosphere type setting stuff. I don't know. Maybe if you have like an idea for a, a ritual and you want to like, well, I want to like do like a food sacrifice type thing, or I want to do like a feast for something. You could probably take some inspiration from this sort of thing. I can't wait till I have some time to actually cook because I am going to make some recipes out of this and I'm literally going to do it by drawing tarot. My girlfriend is going to love it. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. I will give this one a, I'll give this one actually a four out of five because despite just the slap together, the fucking charcuterie board, I think it's kind of, like I said, it's a cute little cookbook thing. It's not super fucking magic really, but you know, it's cool. Yeah. We, I I feel like I don't have nearly as much like shit talk about this, about these books as we did last time, which I almost feel bad about because how to be a psychic is just like everything that I thought was wrong with that practical guide to witchcraft is in that book and probably worse in some ways. So like, you know, don't, don't uh, I get thought it. We talked plenty shit about the yeah. psychic. Don't, book. don't like, get it. Garbage. Don't get it twisted. The other one also, you know, it got a little bit of smack talk. I honestly just don't have that much to say about the divine your dinner. It seems like a cute little book and uh, I'm curious. I like cooking. I like cookbooks. This is cool. Um, I'm going to go, you know what? I, I, I'm just going to say $4 on that one too. I bet all of them are the same price is what I'm really thinking. They're all the same price. So the question is, are you correct? Are they, you know, are you right? Well, we got one more book, right? Yeah, we do. And this last one is probably the one I actually feel the worst talking shit about. On the other hand, I almost feel like this one deserves it the most because this is clearly a book that's like targeted toward fucking children. <laughs> so on one hand, it's like, oh, this is for children. Don't go too hard on it. But on the other hand, it's like they're infecting the kids. They're coming for the kids. And Wu-Tang is for Won't the children. Someone think and, of the children. Yeah, yeah well, like the, ch- the children, the children deserve good books. <laughs> and this is called Moon Magic with the accompanying Moon Magic Lunar Oracle deck. And also, it came with a moonstone, which I like. I, I'm 90 percent sure it's like a piece of glass, but whatever. That's <laughs> that's not the that that doesn't matter. That's not that doesn't matter. And I don't know where it is. I think I don't know. It's probably in my trunk of of junk. So introduction: the moon is mysterious. She is known by many names and is worshipped by many cultures throughout the world, both ancient and modern. Our great mother moon inspires wonder when we see her fullness in the sky, shining her silver light upon the shadows of the night. So right off the bat, you can look back at various cultures throughout the world. The moon is not always female. Nope. It's just not like, you know, that's one of those things that we take. We talked about a couple episodes back ideas taken for granted. Feminine moon goddess is not the ingrained archetype of the collective unconscious or anything. It's not like, Oh, universally. And I understand there's the thing that's, Oh, well periods go with like the moon cycle and stuff. It's like, yeah, sure. I, I, I'm not saying that that isn't a thing. I'm not saying that there aren't a lot of female moon goddesses, but it's not a universal. And I don't have the numbers with me right now, but it's actually a lot closer to 50, 50 than you would expect. Sadly, the only moon God I can think of right off the head is a uh, <laughs> And that's because of fucking Moon Knight. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Sin is male. Uh, yeah, Sumerian. I want to say uh, Japan has a moon god, I believe. Yeah, Tsukiyomi. But the point is, is that if you look at various cultures, there it is not universal. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, if, it's pretty. Uh, 
if, if I think the Tibetans have a thing about like the female is the red and the male is the white. So it's the male is the lunar channel. Uh-huh. That sort of thing. So it's like, it's not a universal. And it's one of those things that we do take it as like, oh yeah, moon, feminine. It's like, it's not, it just ain't so. And you should, when you introduce something as general as the moon and, and you're starting right off the bat. And I understand this is like for little babies, but maybe you should start the little babies off in the right direction. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, spoil things. I looked up this book. Oh, did you? Yeah, like not, I didn't look super deep into it, but I looked up this book and um, I think you're wrong. I think this is a, a genuine attempt by somebody. It's like really tiny. It's, it, it, it feels like something you'd get from a scholastic book fair. It, like it looks like a children's book. You can buy it on Etsy for like almost $20. Well, that doesn't mean anything. Kids, kids books gets expensive. Like green eggs and ham is like 10 bucks. Nothing I'm seeing about this is implying that uh, it's not taking itself very seriously. Ugh, well, I don't know. The jury's out on that. I think anybody reading this would be like, this is for children or slow people. It's got um, a bunch of five star reviews and then one um, one star review. What's the one star review say? Uh it said the moon, the moon god Kanshu is angry. It says really cheesy. The cards are so thin they can't be shuffled. Major disappointment. <laughs> cheesy is probably the word for this. The moon has been depicted in ancient texts and legends as both the giver of the giver and taker of life. It it refers to the moon constantly in feminine pronouns, and uh, it, it it's one of those things where it's uh. Hold on, lunar superstitions. In order to encourage your finances to grow, the new moon marks an auspicious time to turn coins in your pocket while bowing to the crescent in the night sky. Don't leave your washing sure. out at night. If the moonlight shines on it, it shines upon clothes for a funeral. Wait, what? If, if you touch, well, that makes me think of a thing that uh, Jung talked about, like old old witchcraft would be like if you were trying to harm an enemy, you'd put a, a mirror under the moon and then you'd give them the mirror because the the lunar energy would touch their solar manifestation, which is like their conscious exterior manifestation, like during the day. Okay. Um, you know, it's like a baby born at the time of a full moon is a child of fortune, unlucky to marry during the month of May or during any waning or dark quarters, um, that sort of thing. So like moon phases have been, moon phases and the times of the year of the moon are a strongly documented thing with loads of superstition. There's nothing explicitly wrong or at least nothing that I can think of at the top of my head. You know, that's whatever. And it's like, it, it really does have this weird scholastic book fair sort of vibe to the whole thing where I keep thinking this is like a children's book. I don't think that any grown ass adult should be reading this. <laughs> <laughs> um, moon goddesses. Many ancient civilizations venerated the moon because they saw how she influenced the germination and growth of crops, how she matched the average female menstrual cycle of 28 to 30 days, how she affected the weather. So they're all goddesses, and it's like not a single male moon god is mentioned in this. Um, Artemis, Selene, Diana, Hecate, Sophia, Isis. You know, it's like, yeah, whatever. These are all, uh, there are also gods of the moon. One is Thoth, and another is Sin. So they do mention it, but like, one sentence on a two-page spread about moon goddesses, and then they're moving on. It's like, yeah, but the moon's still feminine. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, and I mean, and Thoth isn't exactly the best pick for a moon god. Egyptian gods weren't... A lot of older gods actually aren't carved up in the same way that, like, later gods were. Um, oh, yeah, well, I know. You know, well, there's the whole thing that the fucking... Um, the, the sun and the moon are the eyes of Ra, and 
Oh, yeah. The, the eyes of Horus, and the moon is fucked up because Horus got hit in the eye. Because you were talking all that shit, homeboy. Boom. <laughs> um, you know, oh, oh, hold up, hold up. Thing. Okay. Angels of the moon, or the angel of the moon. Gabriel, who is usually referred to as he, although, in fact, angels are neither male nor female, but the moon is. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> huh? Dickheads, what, what, what kind of bullshit? Why, this is, are we assholes? <laughs> are we the dicks here? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think this is just dumb babby book. <laughs> dumb baby I think book. this is just a very weak magic book. Like this is, right, well, we I'm not any... interested in this at all. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, an angel healing. To perform this ceremony just after a full moon to seek healing for someone who is sick, you will need two light blue candles. Crystal. Doesn't say what kind of crystal. White lilies. The one they gave you with the book. Oh, oh, wait, wait, wait. Damn it. I missed. Now I got to do this. Now I got to go find it. Uh, a water off. Aromatherapy burner. Matches. Does it have to be matches? Can I use a lighter? Can I? Uh, it says matches. You better follow the ritual. Otherwise, your friend's not going to get better. Nine drops of eucalyptus, sandalwood, or camphor oil. Nine white tea lights. God damn. This is a lot. <laughs> How many candles do I got to burn? I'm on a budget. <laughs> I am. Uh, God. My finances are in peril because they make me light fucking 11 candles for every fucking ritual I do. Natural paper. What do you mean by natural paper? Organically sourced and ethically found. <laughs> Heat proof container. All right. Put two light blue candles in the center of the table with the crystal, the flowers, the offering, and the burner. Light the candles. Fill the burner with water and add the oil. Place the tea lights around it and light everything. Write the name of the person requiring healing their ailment fold it up twice and hold it up in your hands saying angel gabriel i ask for your help please bring your healing touch to blank by my divine will remove blank from blank all for the highest good but that well know, at least it didn't rhyme this time <laughs> all right take the piece of paper light it on fire okay okay i see what the spell is all right it's a very general got it that makes sense that makes sense it's not great but whatever you notice the one thing that i will say that we're not talking about it too much but you notice that there's with uh the practical guide to witches or whatever the fuck did the same thing honestly this notion of magic is supposed to be for the highest good and that if you're doing something like oh clearly i'm doing the right thing by doing this magic it's never the acknowledgement of like this is some this is some narrow-minded shit that i want <laughs> this is for me <laughs> yeah who but, knows? Uh, Maybe Pat Robertson was supposed to die for the greater good. And you're over here praying to God, hoping that the Archangel Gabriel will heal him with his moon magic. So then there's animal totems of the moon, which uh, there's a lot, right? <laughs> it's like wolf, hare, frog, cat. How many animals do you say are associated with the cow, owl, uh, lioness? I think everyone's associated every animal. Yeah, bear. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like any animal. I mean, I guess like a horsefly isn't associated with the moon yet. Um, <laughs> then there's, a, then we, of course we have to get into astrology cause it's a moon book. So like, you know, of course astrology. So it talks about moon signs. So uh, for sake of argument, but like, give me a moon sign. It doesn't matter which. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Name cancer. Is cancer. Let's see what moon and cancer. Oh, well, uh, the moon is exalted in cancer. So that's probably a good one. Oh, that's what it opens with. The moon is exalted in cancer. This means that she is in her best placement here. The moon governs the zodiacal. Zodiacal? 
I always go like zodiacal and I know it's wrong, but zodiacal sign, <laughs> this zodiacal sign will be powerful influence in the chart when placed here. Cancer moon people are highly sensitive and crave emotional security. They need to be accepted for who they are and blah, blah. It's all crap. It throws different, you know, astrological associations of, you know, here's your stone and you'll probably be like this and stuff like that. As, as much as I'm like, I'm not fucking with astrology anymore because I'm actively trying to break away from it. I know plenty of astrology and I know that you can't look at one planet and figure out what somebody's like. It's just not, you got to look at the whole. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. At the very least, you got to look at the whole chart. There's a lunar festival calendar where it's like, it goes from November 30th to uh, the 31st of October, which feels like weird place to go with it, I guess. I don't know. Like Festival of Hecate, then the Winter Solstice, then Imbolc, then uh, Festival of Selene, Festival of Diana, Festival of Isis, Festival of Eostare, Easter. Hate that. We'll talk. Mm. <laughs> uh, Beltane. So it's like Wicca with like a couple extra festivals. Oh, Hecate has another festival in August. So it's like, all right, whatever. She get the double. Why she not? Should, she should have three, right? Yeah, yeah. You're fucking up somewhere. You're missing Oh, she one, does guys. because the one in October. <laughs> wait, 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 uh, wait. Why does, why does Hecate get one in October, then one month from then, and then it's another festival? What the hell? Spread them out a little bit. Got me, Camp. In art, in Aryan mythology? No. <laughs> I don't want to know. Aryan? Yeah, I don't want to know about Aryan uh, mythology. No. No. What, what? What? Okay, I don't, I don't think that's what this is about, but like, I'm not. I'm, I'm, oh, boy. Moon phases and the waning dark moon, the the full moon, moon and women as protector and guardian of women. The moon has long been associated with the female reproductive cycle. Women be getting periods and it takes almost as long as the moon. Women be mooning. Women be mooning. (laughs) Yep. Lunar gardening. It's too dark. (laughs) Um, I thought there'd be more spells in here, honestly. But it doesn't seem like I, I am not expecting it at all. I thought this was just going to be a bunch of crap. <laughs> the last section of the book is, uh, oh, there's making a lunar talisman. And then there's the deck that came with making a lunar tarot card. Oh, you can actually like make your own tarot card. Uh, yeah, I guess you could. You can just draw on cardboard. <laughs> I didn't need a step by step for this. <laughs> well, shit. Why would I buy the deck? <laughs> yeah, right. The lunar talisman. Um, it's. It's what you'd expect for a talisman. Yeah. Light some candles, draw on a piece of parchment or paper or whatever, and do that stuff. And now, then now you got a talisman. Anything's a talisman if you just do spooky stuff with it, which is not incorrect. Yeah. Um, how to, you know, there's, there's magic squares where it's, you know, number squares to make sigils, that sort of thing. It's fine. Uh, moon crystals. It's just like anything you can think of, of like, What's They're magic? Just giving you all the basic magic stuff and then putting the word moon in front of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I just don't making how a bad is the deck? Well, uh, I was, I'm going to get to that now. It's like, I feel like the only way to round this out is to talk about this deck, which is 26 cards where it's the 12 signs of the Zodiac and then, uh, animal totems. Okay. Like the, the ones that we just mentioned. So it's like, Cat, owl, uh, oh, and then it has moon phases, so that rounds it out where it gets it to the the 26. As far as, like, the deck, the cards are too thin to shuffle, uh, that sounds like a skill problem. I can just, I, <laughs> skill like, issue. Yeah, skill issue. Like, you know, I'm, I'm shuffling them for days, 
I just don't think. And uh, this card has like each card on here has the written associations of like what you should be thinking. So it is very like baby's first Oracle deck there. There's nothing particularly wrong or awful about them. I just don't find them. They don't seem like they're particularly useful for interpretation. Cause like I'm doing here, I'll draw a card cow <laughs> moon totem cow, a new beginning or even a new life may be blooming. That, ah, well, that the cow did jump over the moon. Yep. The cow jumped over the moon and that is why it is a thing. Another card, uh, moon and Sagittarius be prepared to be adaptable as plans you have laid may take an unexpected course. These feel like too pointed to be particularly useful. When you say too much, you don't leave room for interpretive quality. And uh, well, okay, all right. Uh, pull one to see what we should say about this book. Let's see, Moon and Aquarius. The time is ripe for celebrating life. Make the most of parties, gatherings, and other social opportunities. All right. So that means this book is crap. <laughs> like you didn't need me to tell you that you could have found this book. You're on yourself. If anybody look at this book knew this is a book for small children and idiots. And it's just not very good. And I paid money you know, we, for it. I'm the, I'm the biggest idiot of all. Cause I paid money for this thing thinking it'd be funny. And I don't even have anything that funny to say about it. Listeners uh, don't buy this book. You didn't need me to tell you that. Honestly, I give this one a, we talked about this I give before, this one right? a, I like, give this a negative three out of five. Yeah, I'll give that a flat O. That that that, that book's taking the L. This deck that is somehow how is that thing? How is this one worse than the fucking psychic book? <sighs> at least because that one's actually the psychic book that exercises. Yeah, at least told you stuff. Um, waning moon, let go of that which is causing you inner toy royal. So I dropped the deck. <laughs> Okay, great. Just there's always uh, we, now anybody who's like that's the problem is like grown people probably listen to this or at, at the very least even if you are a child one you shouldn't be listening to this is bad bad deck bad bad stuff. But the the point being that like you don't need us to tell you not to buy that book but it it is really that thing of like there's trash that is getting sold to you and sometimes it's not nearly as obvious that it's fucking trash. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. We tried to talk about the other time about like books that could be good starter books. Like if you have never done magic before, you don't know anything about it. None of these you know, are there, that. There are books. Yeah, none of these are that. None this, of this them. one in particular is like terrible. All right. Do you have a you have a price? Uh, that was five bucks. Do you think that one was five bucks because it because it comes with a deck? Yeah. Oh, man. All right. So I'm going to do the breakdown of all of the books and then we're going to do the lightning round where I'm going to send you some real schlock. Okay. Sounds great. Witch's Herbal Apothecary was $5. Ah. How to be a psychic? $5. $5. Divine your dinner? $5. <laughs> this one isn't very fun where it's like, yeah, guess what? Every one of these fucking books was $5, but it's like, at least by nature of the store, they couldn't charge you more than that. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, and then the moon thing was actually four. Oh, wow. That cost less. I, at least they knew that it was trash then. The book itself is thinner than my fucking pinky. I think the deck even, like, alone, the, the price of materials is probably like $2. Yeah, yeah. probably. So but it like, really ain't, it really wasn't shit, but uh, that, there you, know, you go. That was the, so the fact like, that you found bad- it. Bad, bad, bad. 
So the fact that you found it going for like 20 bucks on Etsy is like, God, somebody is really taking the piss there. Are you ready for our lightning round? Well, it can't be worse than what we just did. So, yeah. Oh, you would be surprised. Now, in your, uh, in your Discord messages, you will find a series of photographs. Because <laughs> I wasn't going to pay for all this garbage. Oh, my God. But I took okay. photos. All right. First We're, one. The meditation crystals. Yes. I need you to describe what you're looking at. <laughs> well, it is a, it's a plastic packet with a piece of paper in it, like a little cardboard card with a vaguely Buddha looking like figure in silhouette with a bunch of pretty colors all over the place. And it looks like there's a little bag that's in there, like a little cloth bag that's kind of translucent. And what I can only describe as like meth shards. Yeah, well, not even, they look like, they look like board game, like, tokens, almost. Like, if you had a board game where, like, one of the things is you had to collect crystals or something, like, this is what you would get. The Star Trek game board. Yeah, right. (laughs) Where you gotta get your, you gotta get your energy crystals to run your, uh, to run the Enterprise. Yeah, yeah, like, they're, they look plasticky and cheap and terrible. I've got a lot, lot, lot of questions about what I'm supposed to do with the, uh, the energy crystals, but... What even is this, man? That's just that's just bad. Like I does it I did it describe what you were supposed to use them for on the back or anything, or did it just say meditation crystals? Uh I don't I honestly don't remember. I think it was just Oh, like, oh, there there's a 14 plus on the top here too. Cause like if you're if you're any younger than 14, just don't smoke you get them. Fucked you know? up from these, <laughs> just don't smoke them. Just don't smoke them. That's all you can really hope for with these kids. But uh, yeah. yeah. Jesus. Um, this next one, okay, you got a you got a thought on price. What 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 would you pay in I'd pay order like to get a nickel? But it's probably a it's probably like a dollar. And next, uh, I honestly like the price and point when everything else is isn't so much. It's it's a smudge set, right? You're looking at it, yeah, yeah. Now here's my question, right? It's not so much that it's a smudge set because that's whatever, and we can have that conversation. Like, yeah, you probably you know smudging is a, a practice of a certain group, and you know there's there's other there's just overall, it's something that was totally modified and done as like thing to sell to fucking idiots and yuppies, but it's called a fall smudge set, which is like, man, it's got seasonal. You have seasonal plants. I remember you got to cleanse the, you have to cleanse the summer energy with the fall smudge set. (laughs) You know, it's like, so what? Like, yeah. And it, it looks exactly like what you would think it would too. It's like, it's like a smudge stick with like yellow and orange flowers all over it just to make it look autumnal. Yeah, the fact that this should come with they should have made this like the pumpkin spice smudge. Oh, my God, that'd be way funnier. And I'd like that would be like uh, that'd be almost want to buy it because it's so fucking stupid. Uh, I'm going to say that's five bucks because fucking smudge sticks cost a lot of money. All right. Next, we've got an Amazonite or Amazonite. I'm not ever sure how to pronounce that. It just doesn't come up in conversation a lot. But Amazonite tree which uh, I don't know what you're supposed to do with these things. It's just like, folks, a, this is like, it's like, it's like a crystal with a copper wire attached to it, like bent into the shape of a tree with more rocks attached to it to look like leaves and like foliage. It's like a little tree made out of things that are not tree. Yeah. Like, and it's magic. It, it gives you good vibes. It gives you good energy. I don't know what am I don't know what amazing. You put it for. on your radionics machine, I guess, or something. <laughs> I don't fucking know. That's five bucks because that's too many crystals. And I know how much they're willing to charge for dice. (laughs) 
I just I don't know what you're supposed to do with it. I'm just like I just you just keep it by you put it on your desk. Legitimately, but... like you just you, you put it on your desk so you feel vaguely spiritual at work. Oh. Next, we've got, and I'm gonna have you describe this one: clear quartz crystal massager key ring. All right, <laughs> so describe it for me. What is it? What What do you think you could do with this? It looks like you could shove it in your dick. Is what it looks like. <laughs> It looks like a sounding rod. <laughs> looks like fucking put it in your jam it in your pee hole, man. It's like literally one of those like, you know, the massager things, folks, with like the the thing. It's like got the the little ball type thing that you like run up and down your back. It's like one of those, but it's incredibly tiny. It's like key ring size and it's just got a, like a a crystal in place of the little round wheel bit. Yeah, you run it. Like, you, what would you do with this? Run it under your eyes. Jab <laughs> it into your eye so you <laughs> make yourself hurt for uh, trying to buy this thing. Like, I should have wait. I should have just jammed it in my dick hole. <laughs> Helps concentration, body balance. What the? F- like, if you weren't trying to sell this to me as like spooky woo woo stuff and just said that this was like a stim toy, I'd be fine with it. Okay, yeah, I guess so. Fidget roller. Right, yeah. Like, you know, just a little little keyery thing that you roll up and down yourself or whatever. Or roll I could across see, your desk, whatever. I could see my dumb ass, like, just rolling it a- across the tabletop, going, making vroom noises. Oh, yeah, I would all damn day. <laughs> but, yeah, like, that's that's stupid. And it does look like, if I didn't see the massager part, I would assume that that, that definitely goes into your, into your penis. Oh, you God. probably pay more next? for it then. How much? Yeah, at the emergency room later. <laughs> the huge medical bill. Uh, two bucks. Two bucks. I'll go two. All right. Now this is. Uh, I almost bought one of these, but I just couldn't bring myself to spend the money. Yeah. <laughs> at the time, because I had already bought like four books, and it was like shit. We have karma and affirmation cards. Wow. One is just a deck of positive affirmations that you can tell yourself. I am smart and pretty and smell good. Like, cool. It's got a little panda standing atop of a rainbow on did it. You need a, did you need a deck to tell you that? Like, you could have just written those down and picked one at random every day. That's what you really wanted. And then karma cards just is like very obviously that, you know, whitey don't understand karma, so they just be like right. writing shit. Do something nice for somebody. Tell someone they look beautiful today. <laughs> Spread the word about a great local business on social media. Jesus Christ. This is terrible. This is not how you, why would you make these? This is not how you attain merit in the Kali Yuga. (laughs) No, definitely not, man. These are, these are both exceptionally bad. I almost wish you had bought them just because we could have probably spent more time on these than moon magic. (laughs) There's always next time, you know? (laughs) Oh God. Next Um, we have crystal cards. Oh, Sorry. Oh, I was. I I think. Okay. Well, it's more cards. I'm gonna say all the cards are four dollars because I got screwed on that last time. All right. Next one is crystal cards, which is like just flash cards for gemstones. Which is like I'm. I definitely glad I didn't buy this one because it's like I don't have anything to say. It's like they're probably all correct, or or at least they're not wrong. I guess. But it's just like this is. I got a secret for you, folks. You can say a crystal does anything because it's a fucking mineral. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't do anything. Unless you have one that's like for sodium and you're like, this does not combine with chlorine to make salt. (laughs) Then you'd be wrong. Oh boy. Uh, This doesn't raise your blood pressure. Like no, like (laughs) 
I'm just thinking about it's like, yeah, don't put water on your rose crystal. Really don't put water on your sodium crystal. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Yeah. You, so all those the same. Okay. And now we yeah, have all three, those are four bucks. We have three flavors of the same thing. It is a chakra car charm. So I guess you hang it on your rear view mirror and it's just, they're shaped like the, the conventional bastardized versions of the chakra wheels. And there's one for, and they don't, you notice they don't even have the, like, I, I don't want to sound hoity toity of like, you no, know, but they don't have like the proper Sanskriti names. It's just root third eye and solar plexus chakra. Yeah. Uh, I can't be so critical of these things. Like if you just want a little chakra looking thing to put in your car, I guess, I mean, uh, whatever. They look a little tacky, just, honestly. Yeah. They, they look really cheap. They look like they would bend very easily. Like if you wore that on your wrist or like as a necklace, it'd probably get destroyed really fast. As a car yeah. charm, it's probably fine. Like, cause it's not, yeah, well, you put it on your rear that, view. It's- I don't know, man. In this Chicago summer, you know, it just might fucking <laughs> melt. <laughs> I'm going to say all of those were like $3 because they're metal, I guess. All right. All right. And lastly, there was a card mat where you just unfold it and it's got the, like the, the Metatron cube looking thing on it. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And this is for you to do your readings on and shit. Mm-hmm. So you can put your your black eye, your red eyes, black dragon in defense mode on it. Stuff. Yeah. Unfolds into t- 22 by 22 inch mat. A lot of inches. I'm, I'm bad thinking of measurements off the top of my head a lot. But like, yeah, that's a, that's pretty sizable. I mean, it, it's decent enough. Just under two feet in both directions. It's pretty sizable, man. Yeah, I'll say that's like. Was it like paper or was it like some type of material? I think it, it looked like a, I didn't open it up and look at it, but it looks like a, like a cheap synthetic fabric. Oh, uh, four bucks, I guess. It all just right. looks crap. Is there anything, any out of all of these, if you had to choose one, if you had to, if, <laughs> if you I had, had to buy something, if somebody said you must purchase one of these or we will beat you senseless. <laughs> I'd get the the sounding crystal. <laughs> okay, okay. I think I would choose the uh, the meditation crystals because they just make me giggle. You know, <laughs> they really do. Um, they're not up there with astrology dice, but they are pretty amusing. I feel like if we hadn't gotten the wonderful title from Coco, I would have named this meditation crystals. Yeah, just to keep it going. If you're curious, what we're looking at is uh, the meditation, the meditation crystals and the smudge set were both, uh, were both $5. So that Oh, you're like, fucking kidding yeah, me. Yeah, I, yeah, you see why I didn't just buy yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's ridiculous. Well, the other thing, the, uh, the crystal, the crystal tree, also $5. Right, yeah. The, the tarot mat was three fifty, which Oh, well, that's the, doesn't, that's the best priced thing so far, honestly. Uh, all of the decks were five dollars. Jesus. The car charms were also three fifty. Wow. And finally, your clear quartz crystal pee hole jammer was four fifty. <laughs> uh, I'll just stick to putting the, the McDonald's straw in my genitals. <laughs> thank you. My God, you know that noise that the cup that like the straw is making a plastic? <laughs> Imagine that, but it's your. Oh my god, that's probably the worst uh, fucking awful. mental image I've conjured up on this show. Oh yeah, boy. that one's that, that's pretty rough. Well, what have we learned here? Uh, 
God, like, don't try to revisit bits because they're not as funny the next time around. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. I, I just think that this is this is a great testament to how deplorable fucking cheap occult crap can get. Because like last time it was like it was funny. And then this time, like all of these ones are just abysmal. Like they're they're repetitions of the worst parts of the last time we did it. And then just like get crystal just tree when you thought just when you thought you found the bottom, the bottom drops out and yeah. get you get and the books this time were. We had what? We had four books and one of them was decent. Yeah. I mean, I, and I stand, I honestly would say, well, guys, no, two of them were okay. Cause yeah. the, the first one was okay. It was just yeah, like a yeah, yeah. uh, little cringy here and there. Yeah. Just some cringiness, but overall like some useful stuff. I mean, it does have some interesting things about plants and the ideas of how and why to harvest the mindset of when you're harvesting them. And then also like how, literally how to grow stuff in your home, which is useful. You know, that's nice. Yeah. That's all really cool. But this cookbook thing, I am actually very anxious to try. If I do, I'll, I'll literally post things on the Instagram and be like, guys, I made the pizza. It's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I made the magic pizza. Made the magic pizza. <laughs> that wraps up the show this week. So let's get on to the palate cleanser. How goes the work? Honestly, I've been just, I, I, I've been completely frazzled and knackered on every end where I haven't really done a whole lot. I did something for you. Aww. Like the minute, right. When you, the, like, right. When you asked about it, I was like, yeah, I'll do something for you. And, uh, seems like you've had some success. So, you know, I, I can't say it was all me. Cause I know you were doing stuff and I know a couple other people did some things, but it's between the, between the, uh, the three stooges routine, we all probably were doing, uh, something good came out of it. If you want to talk about that. Yeah, yeah, I'll go ahead and share it. Um, if you were in our Discord, you'll know I was talking about, um, essentially, I was going for a job interview, and there were a lot of things up in the air about it. I, um, I, I asked anyone in the Discord if they wanted to do some things for me they, that would um, help the cause. And um, a couple people did. Uh, Coco, which we mentioned earlier, drew me a sigil that I ended up using in Ritual later. Um, a couple other people did some other things. I personally went the, uh, the surefire route and I did some, um, well, you know, I, I did some sex magic, basically the cannon that always shoots. And, uh, I did some invocations to Mercury and to Jupiter. And I did about two of each essentially over the course of this period. And, uh, it all seems to have worked out really well. I, I believe I'm going to be starting this, uh, new opportunity sometime in the coming weeks. And, um, I got pretty much everything I needed out of it. So, um, you know, when in doubt, you can just use sex magic to solve your problems. <laughs> That's what I recommend. That's my recommendation to everybody. And yeah. on top of that, if you have a discord filled with people that like you, that happen to be, you know, fairly skilled magicians themselves, sometimes you can outsource that shit. Yeah. So yeah. really this is just a uh, plug to join the CMN discord yeah. and make some, uh, spooky friends that can help you. <laughs> Um, other than that, I'm, um, focusing on, um, well, oh, we talked about Gazoo in the, um, uh, Louie episode, right? We did. We did. Uh, I'm revisiting that for reasons that I will keep silent about, but that's, uh, that's going to be some interesting, that's interesting stuff. I'm sorry. You're so frazzled and dealing with some shit right now. Maybe well, you want us to, you want to pull the discord to fix your shit too? No, no. What I 
what I want is to get good. It's like I know I've handled situations like this in a far better way and I've maintained my practice through more difficult circumstances. So mostly I'm just going to kick myself in the ass and be like, hey, get, get good, scrub. You, you're, you know you're better than this. And sometimes you fall a little short of your expectations or you fall a little short of what you know you're capable of, and that means you just got to do better. You know, all there is to it. Well, all right then. And I guess if you need a kick in the ass, then uh, let me know. I'll, I'll uh, <laughs> use my psychic powers to uh, call up a ghost because they're, they're closer to the earthly plane and I will get them to do some moon magic. Well, and it, the moon goddess will well, come down and the jokes you on ass. you because I have prepared for this ghostly encounter by getting an extra sweater and making a French <laughs> bread pizza. <laughs> With that, this has been Chaos Magic News. The only podcast that is worth well below the $5 asking price. <laughs> <laughs> As always, if you were a moon god left out of the moon magic book, please contact us immediately so we can put you into our class action lawsuit for <laughs> the disenfranchised lunar gods. And for everybody else, you can just find more of us at chaosmagicnews.com where we'll have interviews, links to the pod, articles, and much, much more. You can also find some uh, good old meme action from us if you want to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Chaos Magic News. And if you just absolutely can't get enough of us, you could always join our Discord where we got some fun, fun people and we're always saying something goofy and outlandish just for you. Yeah, just for you in the Discord. The, all the hot takes you get on here aren't enough. You can have us say even more outlandish <laughs> things because they're not being recorded. <laughs> so, would you like the last word? Once again, I flipped it on you. Oh, oh the McDonald's straw. Oh. <laughs> all right, folks. All right. Thank you for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, I think my mic just might have cut out for just a second. You got kind of quiet for a second, but now you're actually really loud. Yeah, I think my microphone is totally fucking up. This might not be a good episode at all. Sorry, listeners. <laughs>